host, Sean McCann. Greetings, and welcome to Wake the Dead. Today we have friends of the show, Lauren and Paul Bell. They are activists. They host gatherings at their property. They are organic farmers. They teach permaculture classes. They have a website, truthloveandfreedom.com, as well as bluehillfarmorganics.com. And I'm very glad to welcome you, Lauren and Paul. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having us. Good to see you, man. Wonderful. Thank you for joining me. Uh, You guys have a very unique perspective on something that is a a huge part of the culture and the history of America and the world even now. Um, So on, on a recent show that I did with William Ramsey, on his show, William Ramsey Investigates, I was speaking about um, something and the the Grateful Dead came up and we were talking about these connections to the government and how, you know, it's a, it's a big machine to trap children's minds and to warp their uh, their morality and to turn them down a bad path. And I was, commenting on how like I had I had went to the 50 year anniversary and I got a bad impression from the people and I made a comment like you know oh the 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 fans of the Grateful Dead uh usually turn out in a bad way and you know and I was kind of it was and I just kind of said it flippantly and then I shared the the show with you guys because I share with my friends and um Lauren came to me and said, "Hey, you know, not all of them are messed up, you know." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah. Obviously. Like I recognize that some of the people that I care about the some of my best friends are uh fans of the Grateful Dead. And how could I just talk like that? Like that's so I uh, decided, like, oh, well, would you like to come on and speak with us and, like, share what what you see? And uh, thankfully, you're here to do that. I'm very glad that both of you could join us. That's great. Yeah, we're happy to be here, Sean. That's great. What are our favorite topics? So. <laughs> That's great. That's <laughs> wonderful. So yeah. you, you two have been, you, like, live, like, that is basically the culture of like where like you live in like deadhead central you know <laughs> and you two in the satellite especially uh, when i lived in santa cruz right santa cruz is a, is one of those places and so you but i wanted to specify that you i consider you two alive heads you're not <laughs> common deadheads you guys are you you're doing work in your community you've got roots you're you know promoting uh natural law and moral you know objective morality and care for the world and and i'm not saying that 
the deadheads on tour don't do that they have care for the world that's obvious but it seems like they can't it seems to me that they can't really plant their care and make it stick if they're busy on the road all the time you know and so that's like not to say that that's the only reason that you're awake but i i mean you understand morality you understand the nature of the occult um i've spoken with you you both like on many occasions and um I, and you're both anarchists which you know you've achieved that you're not stuck in the <laughs> statist mind control thank god <laughs> yeah so i consider you alive heads and i want the listeners to know that so um so basically the the culture that was the grateful dead it was a huge it, it like it changed almost everything for some people not all people and uh you know when your lives were affected by the grateful dead it changed you guys pretty much forever yeah. you know and for the better you know and you found each other because of the grateful dead yeah right created child because of it. There there <laughs> because you found each other right yeah. exactly right that's magic yeah. right so that's beautiful and so like i can't be um speaking badly about i mean even if they were government and even if they were doing what they're you know purported to have done they still had good people that were in the crowd doing good things and they did care you know um so your good people are going to find a good time and you know the creativity of <laughs> good people exactly right so i'm i'm glad that we can have your your perspective and you both and also before i sorry before i hand over the mic um the another thing is that you both understand the fact that it you know you've heard all of the all of the rumors and you know some of them you you do agree with some of them you don't like you you know you have your own perspective on that and uh i'd like to hear from you like because you don't deny that they are connected to the government or they were doing so but um you know so that's that's an interesting point of view and um i'm very glad you're here and so i said that already but so please tell us how long have you guys been uh fans of the dead paul can start first okay i'll go first i've been a fan longer so um <laughs> i would say it actually goes back to before i was born uh my father was a guess you'd say a deadhead he like actively went to grateful dead shows and um took the substances that go along with that and and enjoyed that on some level uh, he didn't go to a ton of shows but he's told me some stories about um, one in particular that he remembers, you know, taking some LSD and having this experience where he was standing at the top of the crowd at the Grateful Dead show and just had this vision that with this energy that was in the space and that we were all so connected and that we could, you know, basically like elevate the world into a, you know, a better space. Um, then he got saved um, and found Jesus and kind of found that kind of experience actually laughable and uses it as a story about how he how he was before he got saved um, but he still like kept the music was like part of my life growing up there was you know, a working man's dead album it's a little bit of like more of a tame kind of like slower 
uh, album, and that was basically my um, introduction to the Grateful Dead until high school um, when I started hanging out with kids and smoking weed and smoking cigarettes and drinking beers and listening to Led Zeppelin <laughs> and Pink Floyd and uh, Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin, and then Grateful Dead started to show up in the mix, started to get my attention. I'd never listened to it after smoking weed. Um, started to, to really like become a little bit more intrigued with it and look into the culture that was around it and come to understand that this thing was still going on and that it was like out there. Mm-hmm. Um, went to my first show um, spring break in 1993. Uh, we we're on our way to Panama City, Florida, and the Grateful Dead were playing in Atlanta at the Omni and uh, made it into the show. It was this, the second night of three nights so I made it into the second night and then we ended up staying and going to the next night and I was pretty much hooked after that um was still in high school so I couldn't really just like go see a lot of Grateful Dead but I made sure that every time I could until basically my last show in 95 right before Jerry died um I got to see uh the Grateful Dead eight, dead eight times during that time wow uh, and that was uh it was a big deal to me uh to and it was exciting you know it's something that I really like um connected with and was very close to kind of running away and joining the circus and going on the road with them but uh, <laughs> kept kept my my wits about me I guess and, and kept my job um, then Jerry died and uh, it was a very like traumatic time for everybody that was in that community and attached to that music is I mean I remember the whole day very very well and the whole night and every single moment of it and the people around me and then it kind of you know, it tapered off for a lot of people. You know, the uh, energy kind of stopped, and and even though the music was still being played on a whole, um, and we were still aware of it, I kind of got into Fish and started doing that whole whole scene and and going to see them whenever I could, mm-hmm. and always stayed connected to Grateful Dead and saw all the different versions of them after um, Jerry died. I saw the Dead, I saw the other ones, I saw uh, further. Uh, would see Rat Dog anytime they would you know come to town or whatever, but um, moved to California from Louisville, Kentucky about t- 10 years ago and started seeing Grateful Dead cover bands and anything that would come around here. And then uh, it led me to meeting uh, this beautiful woman, kind of danced into my life a little over five mm-hmm. years ago. We were both at a Grateful Dead cover band named Cubensis that plays in the L.A. area and met each other on the dance floor. And we've been uh, dancing together ever since. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. It's <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I am younger than Paul. Um, I'll be 34 this year. And, um, I grew up in Laguna beach where there's a lot of history of the psychedelic movement. Um, back in the day, there was the brotherhood of eternal love that was a part of that town and they were smuggling psychedelics and other drugs and stuff. Um, in and out of the country, really. It was like all coming out of Laguna Beach and the cops had no idea for a long time. Leary lived there and was pulled over and arrested there in the canyon. And So there's a lot of history. It's an artist community. It's a surfer community. I grew up with like all of that as something I became aware of as I got Mm -hmm. towards high school. Um, And it's just sort of this like, wow, (laughs) this town's pretty cool that I grew up here. Um, And my favorite band growing up was Sublime and they you know introduced me to Sugar Magnolia I mean Scarlet Begonias and I never um, right. I never actually heard the Grateful Dead song until it come 
came on on the radio one day and it was this like, this is this is the band I've been looking for this whole time. (laughs) I found it and I went and I bought some CDs right away and um, came home and just started listening to it. And I had no idea there was still any sort of scene around the music. Um, This was still in high school. So when I moved up to Santa Cruz to go to school up there, um, I pretty quickly became aware of that there were more things happening. Um, I happened to show up in Golden Gate Park. Um, I can't remember if it was it was sometime in April. Um, Might have been like an Earth Day thing that Bob Weir played in Golden Gate Park. And it was free, and I just walked up on it with some friends. Um, it was pretty exciting, and I got... Remember getting really close so he could see me. <laughs> it was like <laughs> dancing my butt off. Um, but after a little bit of time, I was wandering around down in downtown Santa Cruz, and I came across some music, and I like call it my dead dar, my radar turn mm-hmm. up, and I heard the Grateful Dead, and I went and I followed it around the corner, and I found a dance studio that was just full of freaks <laughs> dancing wild. And I felt like I found my home. I could be totally comfortable as myself and dancing however wildly I wanted to. Um, Beautiful. And through that, I made friends with a lot of people who had been on tour. Most of them in that community had been doing it since the, like, early to mid-80s. And then there's other people that I know who were there in the 60s and had a crush on pig pen (laughs) 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 so um i've i've gotten to hear all their stories and um it's been pretty cool just through certain people that i've known as well who know a lot of people i have been introduced to that many more and heard all of their stories from these other friends of mine so i feel like i've been around the block even though i never got to see jerry like i've been to so many concerts since and even i would consider all of the grateful dead dances that i've done i mean we did it every weekend or every other weekend and i mean that's that's a lot of shows to dance to all the time continuously for years i lived there for 10 years um and like yeah and the the dances have been going on for 25 years it's just been a thing in the Bay Area and all over California. There's people who know about it and show up. We've considered doing one in Southern California. It's just a little harder. They have but, a um, uh, they have a board. The guy who organizes the dance, our <laughs> friend Robbie, he has a board that he keeps um, behind his couch and he pulls it out and it's a grid and it has every year that the Grateful Dead performed and then he's got a grid of every show and he has an X on whether they've danced to the show or not. And so he's been keeping wow. track of it for 20 years and knows every show that they've danced to and what they haven't yet. And he also coordinates it to people's birthdays and things going on astrologically. He tries to play shows that were played like around that same time on the calendar. Uh, always so it's just like wow. and it's a thing where it's like the same community there's actually like kids that have grown up mm-hmm. um, that were children babies that were born going there and now they're bringing their children to these dances and they're right. like and it's everything yeah. in between it's pretty pretty awesome so besides that then um wow. like my this this friend of ours robbie he introduced me to the members of dark star orchestra and rob Baracco became a good friend of ours he's the keyboardist he's played with Phil Ush and friends and a bunch of different groups since then, um, Zen Tricksters and stuff. And one of the other 
the other Rob in the band, he is really good friends with um, Betty, who, if you've heard of the the Grateful Dead's recordings and got into any of that whole, like the taper mm-hmm. thing, Betty was one of the people who had access to the soundboards. Oh. And they call them Betty boards. So you right. know that it's a soundboard recording if it was a Betty board or a different soundboard. And those were usually the high quality ones. Right. Um, so she has all of that. And he has slowly let some of it go to our wow. friends. And so a lot of it's stuff that's not even really that easy to find. And then along with Jerry Band. So I have almost all the recordings from Jerry Band. Which so is that's rare, really rare to find. So that's Jerry uh, Garcia band, you mean? And yeah, the, the yeah. tapers, could you explain the taper phenomenon to my so listeners? They, like Paul was saying before, when we've had other conversations about this, like mm-hmm. the Grateful Dead were notoriously hard to work with for the record companies. And that was something that just pissed the, the record companies off to no end. They mm-hmm. wouldn't record short radio songs that yeah. they wanted them to record. Um, and so a kind of a way of getting back at the record industry was their way of allowing tapers to record the right. shows and set up, they had a section set up right in front of the soundboard. And so you could put your big taper mics up and, um, record the shows and then people would trade the tapes right. and just was a really great system that was very, um, very voluntary you know, yeah, like self-organized, anarchist-derived, self-organized, right. sharing economy. Like, right. Yeah. And at, at its peak, the taper section would literally have, like, could be like a couple hundred people with microphones and rigs. You look at it, yeah. and it's just like a whole section of an arena. And right. when they did mail order for tickets, you, so this is like, obviously, like, way back before the internet, if you wanted tickets for the tour, you, they'd tell you, like, do a mail order get a money order, a separate money order for every ticket you want and like put the date, you know, put it all in an envelope. And if you wanted to taper tickets, you had to put in there, you wanted taper tickets only. And they would actually like make sure tapers got the tickets for that section. That's so good. They're gear in safe. And, and, and yeah, that way you, you like, you're guaranteed a good seat as long as you're taping. <laughs> so right. like, yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to deal with the riffraff of people like, you know, yeah, spilling, drunk spilling beer on you. you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, so dancing... yeah, just to finish it. Oh yeah. I please. just wanted to cap a little bit of my experience. Um, yeah. Beyond my community of friends that I hung out with. I mean, I went to so many shows and saw Phil and friends so many times. And um, when he opened his venue and same with Bob Weir, we were, my friends and I were the first in line at the opening <laughs> and at the soft opening. And I'd spent so many days hanging out next to Phil Lesh and his wife at this, I mean, the venue's really small. It's a restaurant. Right. It's not like, uh, you know, there's a, a restaurant bigger, and then yeah. there's a super small room next to it. Um, right. And same with Bob Weir and his venue. I was there the day that he brought his um, biological father. He had just met his biological father. He hadn't ever met him before. Um, and it somehow lined up and he brought him to the show and I was the closest person to his father oh, while wow. he was on stage and I was dancing right there between So he them, was like singing basically. to you basically like you were like yeah yeah that's pretty good. Yeah. So that's I just I've, you know I feel like I've spent a lot of time close with these people right. and um and then Mickey Hart came and spoke at a class that I took at UC Santa Cruz that was called The Music of the Grateful Dead. Right. Um, 
it was fun. I actually got to be in the uh, AP or the okay. honors class yeah, right. <laughs> because there was a couple of us that were like, we know who all of these people are already. Can we? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but Mickey came in at the end of uh, the class and he was sharing something really interesting about the sounds of the universe that the NASA was recording at the time. Right. And they put it behind the sounds of their space section during that tour. They would like, and Mickey's like a magician, right? He's yeah. shamanic and he's like brought back these tribal drum beats to the band. And, and he created that big crazy music instrument called the, the beam. Um, they used it, hmm. I think in like 2001 space odyssey was when they oh, first really? came up with that. And they did the music for that movie. Um, huh. And so Mickey said that they would not listen to the sounds until they put it on stage during the drum and space section. And before that, they would talk, though, like, we're going to be going to Venus or Mars. This is where the sounds are going to be recorded from. And they would actually spend, like, a bunch of time reading about the symbology of those planets before they right. went there. Like the esoteric just, meanings and the, yeah. the relevance of astrology of those planets. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was really so interesting stuff. And he was talking I've, about entrainment. I've heard about this. They they take the they take the light and they measure the wavelengths and then they translate mm -hmm. it into sound waves. And then yeah. you get to hear the light of the planet, you know and it kind of oscillates and it makes weird sounds and that so that is the underbelly of the space section and space is a certain moment in this in the concert where uh people try to time their dosing <laughs> to like because uh there's always it, it's kind of bubbled organically and now it's a regular thing in the concert is uh drums and space and uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, talk about it a little bit. So, so it started with it for a long time. It was just there was a drum section, and it could just like well, break before out. Before that, even though it was, it was like in the middle of something like playing, playing in the, the band, band or right. Dark Star or something, and right. it would just go off into Dark this Star weird especially. space right. and then pull yeah. it back in. So it was yeah, sort of. Was coming and teasing at that point earlier on in the 70s it was basically the band getting experimental with just different like feedback loops and different like you know like basically disharmonious combinations of sounds a lot of times they would do things with like you know like it just you, like through the years it evolved so in the 80s it was like a lot of like synthesizer heavy stuff and they're doing mm -hmm. a lot of things and they would use some things with like um voice modulators and be like whispering weird things and they're in the section they'd have and... like monks come and chant oh wow. yeah for totally they'd so have... do you think these are experiments for uh for their cia elders it could be, <laughs> it could be. well so i mean something they... that we've always found interesting in the drums and space is that it can take you through this like hero's journey right like if you're ready if you're in the right space for it <laughs> no pun intended. Um, it will take you on this journey, and then it's like, what is gonna bring me out of this? Like, what oh. can, how can I like, like be reborn again? And then the next song that finally comes out of that, like, say it's something like the wheel, and it's mm. just this like, dude, <laughs> like rolling, and suddenly you're like, 
back into reality again and like seeing something clearer now and and um, the message of that song can help to influence the um the spirit of where you come back to like Mm -hmm. because if you're what what emotion you land in right that's a good way of saying it right because it because you could be thinking anything but um the music is emotion it's uh it's water it's you know connected to the you don't even need the lyrics you, the music itself can give you oh yeah emotion well so, when the whole the, the sequence of drums in space too like that you got to first remember that like where, where they ended up it just became kind of the linchpin of the show because the drums would be where so the band has two drummers that are both like super talented that have been playing drums together for 50 years um, and Mickey is a shaman. He's studied with the tribal indigenous people all around the world. He's very like respected in, in that community of these like, you know, like tribal drummers, drum makers, dr- drumming, the whole deal. He's, he's very well known. Right. And he basically has taken the spot in that band of, of sh- the shaman when it comes to that part of the I mean, for better want of a word, it's a ritual, you know, it's a tribal kind of a ritual. And, and so right. for, you know, and, and what it is, is it's a kind of a, um, it's an equalizer. Like, so you've got, you could be in a crowd of 50 or 60,000 people and you've got people from all walks of life, right? You've got, you could have like tech businessmen and, and bankers and doctors and lawyers and homeless people and drug addicts. And they're all, they're in the same show and they're all kind of brought to this same kind of tribal roots space and they're all in it together most people are have partaken in one or more of of different you know psychedelics or Mm -hmm. sacraments and theogens whatever you want to call them and Mm -hmm. so it's like this it's like basically kind of calling back on that like tribal usage of plant medicines where you know there's always like music and dance and and beats and rhythms and (laughs) so that takes you into that space then the rest of the band comes back and slowly starts to pick up their instruments and bring in all these other elements of different instruments that are start to create different sounds and noises. And it's generally not like the most pleasant, you know, none of it's, none of it's, none of it's Sometimes like written. It can be, it can be, it can be super you. cool and groovy, but usually it's like, you know, if you're, especially a dancer and we'll talk about how we like we're dancers and what makes right. different somebody actually a dancer. Um, but that, <laughs> you know, you find, your dance within that. And so it's actually its own exercise as a dancer because you don't stop moving from, if there's music playing, you're dancing. And oh, yeah. even if the music even isn't drums moving your body, you have to find <laughs> an instrument to dance with. You might find a, a lot of times it's the drums. You can yeah. continue to like, but like when stick it's space, the there's drum. no drums. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. so it's, and, it, and it's a confusing. You're just lost you know, you're in on, space with no like, drums. You know, you're lost in space. Yeah. A yeah. lot of times you're yeah. lost in space and it's <laughs> yeah. a, it's a, it's a intentional, Thing, I believe to like put you in that space to where they get to now the band gets to like have the like the jack-in-the-box moment like what's the surprise going to be in the in the Cracker Jack box maybe or whatever like here's the little treat for the <laughs> night and we're gonna like come out of space into this and it could be a rocking anthem it could be a really emotional like sad song it could be um something that's super weird you know it could go into Dark Star the other one and just like you know whatever vibe they wanted to set and that is such an integral moment because that's what the whole show is. And that's what the crafting of the set list became right. ultimately was to take you on an emotional journey where you as a fan, should you choose to invest and partake can go through all of your different like range of emotions within the night and doing it 
on these substances is right. really a cathartic, really like healing, very um, therapeutic thing to yes. do. And so a lot of people, you walk out of a show and you feel like you've just left a, you know, a church service. A lot of people call it church, you know, <laughs> right. that like, you know, but not that like I, they're in a cult. There no, was just a cult, that, but not, I understand. It, not like that. <laughs> that it serves that purpose for you, that it's, you have, it's a spiritual thing. It is, yes. it is on, on many like, levels. It is dancing a spiritual. Is. I mean, look, look at the whirling dervishes. They do that as like their meditation and it really, right. it is like that. It's a meditation. And, right. It's a moving yoga, basically. It's like, a you know, you're putting yourself in the meditative state with moving your body. Like, your mind-body is connected. So if you can control your body in a certain way, then it helps control your mind in a certain way, I'm sure. And um, I'm not a dancer. Ultimately, but... the music moves you. That's that, that's where it becomes. Right. So at, at some t shift, like you start, and some like when you do it for years, it happens immediately. Like the first notes right. of the music start, and there is no like conscious thought of a dance step or a move. You immediately are stepping into something that starts to flow, and and it's effortless in many cases. That's why we can dance all night long because the music <laughs> and knowing how to move your body and we spin a lot more dancing and so you get this like momentum inertia. going in inertia and you start <laughs> to learn to use these movements that just where it takes a teeniest little step of your foot to to turn you in another direction and especially as you get older and your body you know isn't <laughs> as young and, yeah. and and whatnot that's a really like important thing to be able to do to like not exert a lot of effort and not have a yeah. lot of impact on yourself and be able right. to like move to whatever song it is but it's because right. you learn to like you don't resist you flow yeah. with right. it and, so this isn't just the hippie wiggle, right? This no. Guy, okay. We're talking about like really good dancers, <laughs> right. and and I so like I have guys... people tell us we're good dancers, and right. we're in Southern California getting that, and I'm like, you have no idea. You don't even know some of our we're friends average. in the Bay Area, like a a friend of mine who's a couple. I mean, she'll like leap up into his arms and he'll like spin her around and like drop her back down on the ground and these nice. crazy moves. I'm like, how did they even do that? Like She's light. She's little, but. Like ballet type stuff, though. Practically, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, people who just danced incredible. Mm. That's interesting. So that's how you two met, right? I think yeah. you told me that story before. <laughs> and and honestly, I thought I was a dancer before I met her, and I my dancing has evolved being with, with dancing with her and with wow. community of friends and um. Yeah, it was it was what I was always meant to do. I always danced my ass off, but now it's a completely different thing. You learn to dance. Now it's with, organized. It is. It's organized and completely disorganized as well. You, you <laughs> like we can't partner dance and like hold hands. Yeah, but, we can't. Mm -hmm. Like if I, we touch each other, it's over. Like we can't. Like, well, we I can, can, we can, can do a little oh, bit. because your balance is different. Because all of our dancing is like right. within ourselves. We're moving so, so fast. I mean, right. we're talking. People are like sliding in and out of each other. Right. Like. You know, I mean, I've, somehow... I've been in I've been in many a uh, uh, mosh pit, so like yeah, I kind of know how. Well, yeah, there's a lot of that. There's touching with mosh pits, there's punching, yeah. even. But I mean, like the way that people move, and you can't, like, or with the crunch of some bands, like they, you know, you you have no power. Like it, it just takes it. Like sometimes it takes all your energy just to like have enough room to breathe like your chest in and out you know but uh you know it's i'm sure that's not dancing area that well dance. no for us we actually create space right and that's what is a challenge for us is because some guy <laughs> with his beer <laughs> <laughs> yeah well like 
see that negative space that's being created because people sure. are moving. And I'll right. be like, great, I can plant myself right here. Right. And everyone's like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> the more dancers but, there are, the more space there is collectively for everyone. We all share the right. space. Part of two is like most people, even even if you want to dance and you, you don't move your feet, that's a problem kind of too of for, you'll for the dancers. Because down. there's a lot of people that think they're yeah. dancing, but if their feet aren't moving and then they're not moving, then they're not that's really the space. That yeah, must be yeah. Those, those people are like it's a like a plug <laughs> yeah, yeah. in it's you know it's like a plug in this, these like gears that are trying to move and it like stops up the flow. I see. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so there's like a huge culture that you know we want to talk about a little bit as far as how things go and we know that no matter what CIA involvement in any of these experiments right. they may have been a part of, like the culture that's been created out of it. There's dark and light to everything, right? right? Like, no matter what, that that's going to be there. Um, right. Something that's incredible about this community is that it's created an alternative economy and to the point where I know, like, way more than a handful of people who have made very successful businesses for themselves. Right. I mean, like, traveling to Southeast Asia or South America and working directly fair trade with communities like, Oh, you make textiles like great. How can we work together? Can I give you my designs? You know, um, making jewelry, whatever it may be like so many people have found their art, their craft mm. on tour and with the whole right. lot scene where people show up and vend and there's no right. police checking anything else out. I mean, you know, there might be someone, walking by but they're literally not stopping you from selling anything selling food anything like that there's no taxes you don't have to you know have a business license to sell exactly so it's very organic and um it's not anarchist. something that wouldn't have existed yeah an anarchist and it wouldn't right. have existed without the grateful dead like right. that was all started right there so this shakedown street as it were as they call it is is like the uh, commerce area on the lot. This is kind of this uh, economy has fed and clothed everyone <laughs> for like all Pretty these much. years. Like, <laughs> and like uh, also because because the drugs are illegal, they I mean they're by by their nature black market, and if a fan so happens to choose to be in that uh arena of commerce as well in full force also uh, mm -hmm. oh yeah. yeah yeah so i mean the idea being that like everybody understands that if you're i mean people that are on the scene like like a lot like that are around we don't we don't really participate in that we don't need to go to shakedown street for things but if of course you needed not to to the best place to do handshake transactions is in a big crowd <laughs> And right. so everybody knows that. And, there, you know, in, like in my younger days in the past life, I was well, plenty good at that. And there's literally just people walking through the crowd offering doses, mushrooms, oh, yeah. mafia, um, right. you know, after the show, it's cocaine and, what you know, whatever. But they're just walking through and they just send it verbally towards anybody they think looks right. like they might want it. You, all you got to do is oh, yeah. give them an eye. Because everybody's walking, everybody's and, yeah, walking and you walk around. past hundreds of people every yeah. few minutes. So, like, you can just work them out. 
right, right. Yeah, I'll meet you back over and there. And nobody's, like, oh. and everybody understands, like, you don't rat on anybody. It's not a crime. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know I mean, so uh, there's, no. nobody um, trusts there's the like, cops. right, exactly. That's another thing. I mean, the worst thing that happens is you might buy some bunk, but the reality is, like, there's a, a that people that do that are going to be someone who's like from out of town that's not going to be on tour again. It might be a one shot deal, but right. for the most part, there's an etiquette and uh, kind of a lot culture that that's, you know, there's, there's standards. People right. expect you to have a certain level of morality. And even to the point of, it's really interesting. I've seen for years, like the unofficial, like grateful dead motto of morality is the same thing that we teach our kids how to say the golden rule. And I've literally seen like a lot of grateful dead stuff. that says, do no harm, take no shit. And yeah. that's basically like the credo. It's like, Hey, exactly. you go out there, like, you do no harm, but you take no shit. Don't let anybody uh, walk all over even, you. Even in Uncle John's band, they said their motto is don't tread on me. And I right. used to think that that was actually like against that phrase. And then I realized not too mm. long, you know, after right. hearing it that, oh, uh, they're actually saying like that's that needs that's, to be the motto, right? It's like don't tread right. on me. Right. I always say that's the only real flag America ever had, you know. Right. Yeah. So, so these, uh, they, they have this, this organic community of creative people and really no matter how evil the band is, the people are having a good time. If they are. Yeah. Yeah. We we should go into that about the band being evil because, because like what I would work backwards from because we know we've got to get into the history and some of the stories and what we all kind of where we all agree the mm-hmm. tainted and and whatnot which <laughs> I would say that most everything that had to do with anything entertainment you know pretty um, much big yeah. culturally was at least touched or tainted yes. back then um, but that that you can start with the the music itself and so you've got this you've got this really like interesting culmination and you can look into the history of the story of like how these guys met each other and and came into each other's lives and you know ended up spending a lot of time writing you know do you think robert, the, robert do you th- who wrote lyrics for jerry and then john barlow who wrote lyrics for for bobby and both wrote songs for the band for many many years right. the lyrics or lyricists right and and robert hunter is a genius uh but he's also a Mason and he's also connected with MK ultra. And he was taking the experiments, uh, not to say that that's all bad. Someone could be a good person doing all those things, you know, um, like, like we have said before, you know, consider that you didn't know. It's not like the campuses, the college campuses were like the CIA conducting this experiment with psychedelics like they didn't tell these kids that it was a cia program it's compartmentalized into the college it it was just like an mk ultra ad you know like come to the mk ultra (laughs) thing and you know and that's the thing if you really look into it the cia was not only in every college campus back in this i mean they probably still are but they were not only in every college campus but actively in the 60s doing not just experiments on psychedelics but doing experiments on fertility and experiments on mind control and experiments on on who knows what torture and sex and and all of it and so whether you went to a university we also know that they were in every television studio every radio station every newspaper every every everything and so 
knowing that that's how prolific this agency that's not even chartered to operate within the borders of the United States was within the United States. For me, like when I look at like, so you can say Robert Hunter was on the payroll of the CIA, but if, if, he was getting paid like five dollars a week to to take LSD or mushrooms and peyote right. and write journal about it and turn that in, and that really? was his. That's if, true. if that was his extent of his being on the payroll, which that's as far as I've been able to like verify, yeah. like that's as deep as I I've mean, gotten. A lot of, like, of it is right. literally like Jan Irving right. drawing lines between people on his he's, chart. He's very like that. So as Jan... far as some of the evidence goes from him. Yeah, he does. He makes connections where there shouldn't be some. And I've seen the way that um, he treats people uh, in the community that I know are good, but he says yeah. that they are bad just because. Like Mark Passio. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Now that you now that you Sorry. said the word. No, you're fine. Sorry. Was, but I wasn't. No, it's all He's good. He's on his website. But I mean. Right. And like Jan was invited to free your mind three and four, but he didn't go to four because he was mad that Mark invited uh, Terrence's brother, uh, Dennis McKenna. And there's all this. Jan has many paranoias and he's become a Christian. Yeah. Right. And that's not always bad, you know. Uh, no, but, no. But it also can make you completely judgmental about anything that has right. to do with psychedelics. Right. Or cannabis. That's, like, you know, cannabis. this is a guy that like, if I he was friends with Jack Hare, wrote or co-wrote The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Right. right. Like worked closely on all the research for that. He was, that was friends, the first yeah, yeah. book on cannabis I read as a, a human. You know, that's as a kid, true. I remember like reading that and being like, whoa. And he was a part of that. And he worked closely with normal into like reform marijuana. And so he went from that to literally like when you read his stuff now, he says that those people that were working to reform marijuana laws, that they were trying to like push out this like marijuana and hashish agenda on all the college campuses of the U.S. Um, to like get everybody trapped in this age of Aquarius. Well, hold up, dude, because I know I have an endocannabinoid system that I was born with that is made to interact with cannabis. Yeah, the... The state doesn't have the right to tell us we can or can't do something and that it's legal now. But that doesn't mean that it was like a bad thing either because it's stopping people from going to jail. So that seems like it was overall a good thing. But, you know, I mean, Jan told me personally that uh, in an email exchange that anarchy is related to Antichrist because the letters are similar. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, dude, no, this crazy talk, yeah. you know, well, we could play so, that game all day long. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He really doesn't like me because I was fighting him online about his uh, carnism and he doesn't like right, that. Right. I'm I'm fighting for the vegans, even though I'm not vegan. I'm like, I eat eggs and cheese and, you know, I'm I'm getting better, I guess. But I mean, like, I'm still. Like I understand the morality and I stick up for that and I, yeah. he, he doesn't like me very much. And, uh, you know, and so I guess we shouldn't really be talking about him, but he did make a big splash in the scene. So that's why you brought him up. He, well, uh, and because he has, it's like literally on his site as the, the, the top brain. evil villains and the grateful dead is connected to it. Like yeah. the grateful dead is one of the top evil villains and it's yeah. just, you know, it's a lot that, so, that he blame like puts that kind of thing right. on them. And I we know that they're 
are a lot of connections. I mean, Bob Weir yes. hasn't answered many questions when he's been asked about Bohemian right. Grove, his involvement and, there. Right. You know? And there, there is video and I can maybe link it or something uh, showing uh, Bob Weir. I could even bring it up and share it. I don't know if you want me to, but it's not that yeah, important. Him, him talking he, about Bohemian Grove. Yeah, he just said it was nice to shake hands with some people and he said that he yeah, hung out to, with, to talk he, to some he, people, important people or something. He, he got to hang out with General Bill Quinn, who was the head of the OSS, who started the CIA. And he said in the beginning of the sentence, he started talking or in the, the paragraph that he was saying, he said that uh, everybody has an artistic bent. They're all artists and writers. It's made for artists and writers by artists and writers. And then he describes being there with a general who started the <laughs> CIA. I'm like, that's an artistic bent. Well, that's art. That's <laughs> so like he gets to and he says that he got to sit by the fire with him and swap stories and knock him back and get drunk with this general guy. And that was a real thrill for him. You know, and like, and the fact that he looked like, a, I mean, he was like a little girl, basically. He had long hair and he had like the Daisy Dukes and, it's you know. Some weird stuff. You know? He was pulling yeah. a lot of chicks with those short shorts, though. It well, I'm sure he was. It yeah, wasn't bad for his, uh, well, I'm, you know, look. Fade's life. That's true. And, <laughs> you know, the, the band did great to get all the secondary like the wake of his of his yeah that was, that was yeah, i guess he watched that uh he was that, the uh, only well strange trip I think <laughs> oh yeah i've seen that yeah yeah that's a good one but i mean but still so like he obviously is a straight man or whatever but they create they put this through like um they they gave him this costume to wear you know and they and he's got the long hair and he looks like a joan baez but he's a boy you know well let's wait a minute though because in the 80s which is when this is going on have you seen what a basketball player wore then like yeah, well, sure they all wore shorts, shorts were for everybody like yo, that was like not I guess. like today <laughs> it's a different it deal i mean i get it it right. was pretty extreme it was extreme but literally it was a fashion like long socks just like women at short one shorts. point had shoulder yeah. pads like this you oh, know that was terrible. There were some I hated weird that. fashions that's true um, but i mean you they can't were... just blame it on that kind of thing I'm just There's... saying that it like it creates this image and they're friends with Allen Ginsberg and now which Ginsberg are you talking about? Alan the guy who wrote Howl. The beat poet. The yeah, beat yeah, yeah. poet. Well he so, was homosexual. Yeah, well but no, he was a he's a well, Howell was... he rapes children. It's about right. he's a member of Nambla and he's a right. big and he's proud of that. And um so like him and Bob, like Bob Dylan is friends with him and like all these people, they're all proud to be friends with him. And it's really, it's tough for me to get over that, you know, um, <coughs> but, uh, you know, in any case, like, it doesn't mean the dead are bad people, like they're friends with him and it's like, t it taints it. I also it. just wonder like how much these people really know about, you well, know, them, like right. how much, because <sighs> You know, you could consider like some of these people who actually believe that the government is okay. Like they're most people are totally brainwashed, right? And they think that the government's That's great true. and that the programs they're doing are great. I mean, I've right. shared stuff from the World e Economic Forum with people, and their response is like, "Well, that all sounds great. What do you mean?" Yeah. And, and I'm right. like, 
oh, okay, I guess that's, we're way far off here. Right, exactly. You know? It's um, like people, so. like, I, I mean, we just, uh, this is kind of a little, it's a little bird walk, but we just finished watching that, uh, my wife and I just finished watching Utopia, the British program, Utopia. And it's like, you know, got all this programming in there and it's, it, there's the good guy who is the conspiracy theorist gets one of his eyes scooped out. So he's got one eye, right? And so he's enlightened, right? And he listens to the bad guy talk about how there's going to be overpopulation and everybody's going to be killing each other because overpopulation, because we're obviously going to run out of food. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> and, then the, and then the one-eyed guy, conspiracy theorist, lets him go and says, oh, I'm on your side now. And he's like, that's a good idea. Because they just take the assumption, yes, it is overcrowded. Oh, yes, yeah. f fossil fuels. And they just take these huge right. lies and they just, you know, uh, and they're working on falsehoods. So I can see how that works in, you know, it's an artistic representation of something in real life that happens. And I can see how that, you know, the people that, you know, they're, it's just like, oh, they're artists. They're, they have an artistic bent. I'm an artist, too. I'm going to go to this party, you know, whatever. It's Bohemian Grove. Yeah, and just remember okay. like, what circuit these guys are running in anyways. Like, so, you know, I guess if you go back and look at it, the, you know, so you've got Ken Kesey, who's a big part of it. And you talk about the further right. bus. And, and yeah, that. we should bring them um, up. Yeah, for sure. And we got to talk, talk about, about the LSD and Ken Kesey. And, and yes. but the, the, I mean, I guess when you go back far enough, like when I, I started looking at it, like it like goes, it goes like Huxley. Right. And so right. the idea being that, that Huxley was pushing this agenda, like he was really pushing the like sex, drugs and rock and roll idea, but a big heavy right. on the drugs part. Um, right. And so he had his like in, initiates, they say, or whatever would be like yeah. Keezy and like Alan Watts and Ginsburg. Right and uh leary and yeah. so that that basically he had somehow turned all these guys on to lsd um what was the main substance i guess and that yeah they were they were going to be his like prophets out there for the substances and for this idea of uh, like a, a shift in consciousness and it's interesting because like i know huxley's history and like the organizations yeah. that he was attached to and came out of but you can also i guess it, it kind of goes to that idea that like there's some of these people like there are real like light where i'm not saying he's a light worker but there's real like light workers or real illuminated people attached to these groups that connect to like a piece of the puzzle or an idea that they feel really strongly is a positive thing for humanity and that they're doing some kind of a work that is actually good for humanity and for me like looking at huxley's work and like the like the doors of perception and and the stories that he's like out there basically like turning people on these ideas that these substances could be healing they like that they were doing like psychedelic therapy already back then and right. in a positive way just like the cia was using these substances in a negative way and when right. i control people they were already seeing that these could be used to heal people in, in a positive way. And that's mm -hmm. kind of like Huxley's initiates, whatever you want to call it. Like that was what the idea that they were perpetuating. And well, I mean, have you like, if when you, when, when I read Brave New World, 
and I get through the first like two pages, I'm crying. Yeah. They got, there's like test tube babies. They put alcohol in the tube. They shake up the tube. They diminish their potential to turn them into worker slaves. And I look around today and that's, that's what they're exactly. doing. Right. And do you yeah. think he was trying to tell people that that was going to happen? Because that's kind of what it feels like to me. It's like it doesn't well, seem like glamorized. It felt his, like it was like a his warning. Grandfather, like his grandfather was, well, it is a warning. It was a warning to the people that can hear him. But he had a he had an interview with uh, the 60 Minutes guy. I forget his name. But uh, he, he said out loud, he was like, you people aren't going to understand what I'm saying. But this is the future is going to have dictators controlling you with medications and you're going to love your slavery. And that's what that book was. And mother was a dirty word. You know, how, how can that be a good thing? You know, he, they, they, the kids smell a flower and they spray poison on them to like train their mind. Like with, uh, Ewan Cameron, with the psychic driving and they they wipe away the personality of the person with like electroshock and like that that is evil you know and like if you look at Huxley's grandfather he was pushing he was Darwin's bulldog you know sure. and that whole darwinism thing it it's became a poison like so i'm i'm not saying that like, I mean, there is like, you know, the finches did change. There is little changes, right? But it makes huge leaps and assumptions. Like you have to assume this big thing that we created out of nothing, this lie to it, you know? And so it's like the wool pulled over people's eyes. And so like his family has always been, and then you look at Julian Huxley and look at what he did in government. So like they, they are evil, like, in, in my opinion, you know, so and like the people that like Ginsburg is obviously evil. He rapes children. And then like uh, Leary is like, he's pretty evil. Like, uh, you know, he, he idolized Crowley and like he peg, got pegged in the desert to visit Karanzan like Crowley did. And, and then uh, Ken Kesey. I don't know if he's evil. He seems like a pretty happy dude. Um, but he's got but, his son and he seems pretty normal. Right, right. Yeah, and, and maybe they maybe to... they raise good people. Maybe they can raise good kids. Well, they still, but have, still like the community there, like that they pranksters all live on in Oregon. It's like still right. vibrant, like feel well, like we good. go to a festival where there's like a, a prankster village where it's this right. Grateful Dead festival where the pranksters have a whole section of yeah. the of the deal and they put a light right. like a light show, liquid light show, and different like That's interactive great. like sound and weird things to for everybody to kind of trip out That's beautiful. and have fun and they have their own bands playing and yeah. it, you know it's like these old dudes in day glow, you know, painted jumpsuits <laughs> and you know, they're yeah. having a they're having fun because they're still doing like they're old dudes. Right. Like you know right. and, and that that was like you know, obviously, like back in back then, the CIA was dumping LSD on everybody without their consent. The pranksters were. I mean, hell, the Grateful Dead was like, you know, the story they played at Playboy After Dark and they put a like port of vial LSD in the coffee pot, you know, and so they wow. were there with Hugh Hefner at the Playboy Mansion and they got everybody, including the record execs and everybody <laughs> like, like, hi. Yeah. Uh, just wow. for fun. You know, and obviously, I wonder what like, I, I, would, I would like to see the way that Hugh Hefner acted 
while he I was dosed because that dude's mentality that dude's crazy i think there's video of the wow. show and you can tell yeah, everybody because it was a bit televised wow. deal and yeah, it was that's, that's why they did it um <laughs> what that's what, one of the things, what like, year was that i'm gonna look that up yeah That'll look it up to watch what year yeah, was it was it uh, was it in the 80s or something it's in the, no, i think it was in the 70s 70s early 70s oh pig pen is still there and everything no i think it was after Okay, so like probably, 75 or something like that. That's all right. Yeah, well, in the middle, I'll, I'll find it out. I'm going to look up. Like that. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I mean, like, there's just, there have been so many interesting experiences I've had with different people who have been connected with all of this. Like, mm-hmm. I was just thinking of how um, I met, uh, oh my gosh, now I'm going to space on her name, the lead singer from Jefferson Airplane. Oh, Grace uh, Slick. Yes. Yeah, she yeah. did an art show in Laguna Beach, and yeah. um, it's all like Alice in Wonderland theme. Oh, great. <laughs> um, yeah. That's like, funny, that, but, uh, that might be evidence of some mind It might control. be. She was pretty it's cool, though. It's such a good though. song, dude. Oh, well, yeah. Cool yeah. Song. And yeah, maybe she's just maybe she's just riding out that one good song, that one hit. Yeah, one that's what it seemed like to me when she was okay. just like, I'm just gonna do art like this. I know it'll it'll sell. But so, <laughs> um, you know, like her, and then I actually got the um, opportunity to speak at a conference on psychedelics in England, and this was like six years ago now. Um, shortly before that I had, well, no, actually it was like right, right at the conference. The first time that I met, um, Rick Doblin, who is the founder of MAPS, the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies. And I don't know if their headquarters is still in Santa Cruz, but it was for a little while. I actually hung out with him quite a lot. Um, he's someone that I've also heard people be like, oh, well, he's evil because he's trying to legalize psychedelics and, he well, must be evil because he's going all, with all drugs like should be such legal. A sweet, kind person. Yeah. Like I just, right. I spent a good amount of time with him and he was like right. always looking out for me, answering questions I had, like being supportive of things. Right. Um, I and can't, then at the conference, like, I just, uh, I just wanted to say that like we, Jesus said, we know people by their fruits, you know? And, uh, that like what they're doing in the world, like the pranksters there having light shows and doing art, that's beautiful, you know. Uh, Huxley like writing books about destroying families and making people slaves, like He's scary. Yeah, so like that's how I'm judging, and so like and Rick Doblin like um, working to legalize drugs is is a good thing, no matter. You know, as long as because well, that, that's that. a noble action, because all government is slavery. Yeah. We know this. And like yeah. all drugs should be legal because there's there's mm-hmm. no uh, uh, there's no victim except yourself and you have free <laughs> will. So and it's your body. So. Um, so anyway, I just Paul, want to say that you were going to say about how they're. Well, it's, it goes beyond this legalization. It's about it's about they're like like actually like getting a ton of funding to do research on therapies with psychedelics, and that's really what what they're PTSD really pushing specifically. Yeah, specifically PTSD yeah. with MDMA right. um, is really what are the lead, and they actually have got it legalized for uh, research. They've been doing and, research with it. For a I've while. seen I've seen that they um, had 
psilocybin for end of like death um like acceptance i don't know the word for that but people that are terminal and they want to like get over the fear they'll do a, right. a health healthy dose of that and that helps them to get a little glimpse of the other side isn't so scary right. you know yeah totally. so that i think uh, that that's all, an interesting yeah if people should exactly. be allowed to drink drano i think <laughs> if they sure. if they want to uh, drink drano they can i think that that's totally should be legal too you know so it doesn't matter how poisonous it is like everybody's like they all want to say like oh well i like mushrooms better than l because it's natural you know and it's like who cares what you like i like this and stop trying to you know you know, I'm not saying that that's what you do. Oh, I'm Steve saying other from people. from a natural source, but <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, it everything. That's always my argument. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's and but, you've uh, had that argument before, I'm sure. Exactly. That 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 comes about people, and they're like mm -hmm. virtue signaling, like, oh, this is I'm more natural because I do this, and I I like I find that mushrooms are way more. Uh, they're harder to to manage like sure because like they can be either like one gram more animated well that right and um but i mean they can they it might be a shorter time but one strain might send you to the moon and another one can just give you body high and make you want to dance so like who knows what you're doing right. you gotta you like to know the strain well, that some, you have when, right. we, we went to we went to a, uh see a grateful dead cover band for new year's and this uh friend of ours walks up to well, me and we well, really it's a guy i know he's a, yeah. a, a, a lot buddy walks up and he has <laughs> this big jar and he's like hey do you want a cup of uh organic blueberry lemonade mushroom tea and i was like uh <laughs> maybe sure he's like there's 11 strains of mushrooms in here and Ooh. she said she said well i don't like the mushrooms that make me feel wobbly when i want to dance and he said and he said he said well <laughs> none of the strains that are in here are the wobbly ones and i was like i was like He's I was a like, salesman. now, did you just say that to her? And he's like, no, no, but he was like, no, they aren't. And he started, he's like, I'm growing 19 different kinds. And wow. I only put 11 in because the you other eight are the kind that make you want to lay down on the couch and, and you know, not do anything. But he's a real scientist. That's good. So you took yeah. the cup, That's I'm why sure. That's why his name is so nice. <laughs> yeah. No, of course not. Because yeah. his nickname. <laughs> right. it doesn't matter. No. Yeah. There's there's um, lot anyways. names too. They people have lot exactly. names. Exactly. And people yeah. have like their own. There's a, like a whole culture and like a language and you know that um, whole thing. But we were on something um, else. Yeah, I was just gonna say real quick. Another one of my experiences with some of these like elite people, I guess you will. Um, was at that conference I spoke there about psych about my experience with peyote and a mm -hmm. Native American church ceremony. Yeah. And the whole conference you were um given a like room in a hotel to stay in and they had breakfast in the morning and everything. And when I would leave my room and start walking to the conference, like I wanted to be there right when it started, first thing in the morning every time. Every day. And this was like a three week or three day weekend. Mm -hmm. And um I'd walk to the conference with this one woman, she was older, and I just had the best conversations with her. I was like, this lady is awesome. I didn't know who she was. All of the people staying there were speakers, right? So yeah. I assumed she was some random other speaker, but I didn't know who she was. And then the last day, um, Terrence McKenna's wife, ex-wife was on the schedule and I was like sweet I'm so excited to get to see Terrence McKenna's ex-wife and it was her <laughs> she oh, walks great. I'm like oh oh <laughs> awesome I've been standing here talking to you this whole time like 
not not like nervous because you're somebody famous or something either right. like just getting to talk to her like normal and again it's like I'm seeing so many positive philosophies from these people that it's really hard to mm. to say that everyone involved with it all right. is negative like I yeah. don't know what you think about Terrence McKenna um, I know that her and him didn't always agree on things and that's mm. part of why they separated but I didn't know about their relationship specifically. I know all about Terrence, and I know that he helped. He he wrote the book on growing mushrooms in your house, and he mm -hmm. made it possible for people to have uh, home grows and not have to travel to Mexico to get the stuff. So, mm -hmm. so that might have been his contribution to the project. Who knows? Um, it was written under a like a, a pen name so that. Um, I forget what it was called, Growing Magic Mushrooms. It was real simple like that. Uh, had a spacey cover on it. It was, it was like OSS, uh, it was like Oz, Oz something. <laughs> like, so, uh, but anyway, people can look up a PDF of that. Terrence McKenna wrote that. Um, and maybe I, I can put a link. Maybe I'll try to remember to put a link. And, um, you know, he promoted taking five grams of dried mushrooms in the dark. And <laughs> it can be depending on the strain. Like I've taken 3.9 or 3.8 of penis envies and thought I was dying. I was like apologizing to my dog. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I'm dying. I don't know who's going to feed you. <laughs> it was really, it was kind of one of those moments, you know? And uh, like, um, so it depends on what strain. Like I said, if you're if you got B plus, you can eat like half an ounce and you could go dance. But if you got like uh, golden teachers or something, you know, be careful. Like only do like one gram and see what it's like, and then you know next time like maybe take two or three. It it you know if you're a real champion. But five is so. And I also heard that he I I heard that he never really did that. Or maybe he did once and then he got scared of it. I think that like he pr he promoted um, salvia divinorum and like I guess he DMT, did a lot of DMT that. DMT a lot. DMT too, right, yeah. And um, I heard that, uh, uh, you know, I'd have to look up this, the, the truth of that. But I heard that he promoted it but didn't himself do it or not as often as he says you know, and he's a he's a very creative writer, and you know, uh, I think he's done a lot of great great things. And I don't fault him for, you know, his whole story that Jan Irvin likes to bring up is that he was on the run from the FBI, and in Mexico, they caught up with him, and he's been working for them ever since, and. He was talking about aliens. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like working through the mushrooms, the aliens were yeah. Like he communicating. was clearly. So <laughs> he was. If you so take maybe, the whole thing. But if content. you if you take it as like a joke, like then that's good and it's great. But if you just attribute them, oh, that must mean this right. thing that I think, you know. Yeah. It was about where a comma was placed in the phrase, right. literally, like like yeah. the difference between like was he talking about aliens caught up with him or the fbi caught up with right him? right and he started working for them ever since because yeah and like, oh I, and he I was listened working to it and yeah. read it and when you read it 
it sounds like he's saying the thing that he's working for the CIA, but when you listen to it, it yeah. doesn't sound like that. And for like his, knowing his philosophies and his weirdness, like it makes way more sense that he would say he's been working for the mushrooms ever since. Right. And that makes sense with yeah. like, I've heard a lot of his talks and lectures and yeah, yeah. He's very um, colorful with his language and, you know, <laughs> and so, um, and I understand it as like, he was trying to say a joke basically. And but the fact that he was so close to he was on the run from the FBI, and then he says he's been working for them in um, in public relations, <laughs> which is which is propaganda. They changed the right. term propaganda to public relations, like um, so. And that's you know that's Bernays. What if aliens were trying to push out mushrooms, and he was working in public relations <laughs> for the aliens that were trying to push out mushrooms on everybody? Maybe that's true. Maybe that's, the, maybe the aliens have a public relations department, and we could talk to. HQ <laughs> and you know and so mushroom spores do survive the vacuum of space so maybe they came from another land or another planet uh you know if you believe in space <laughs> I do of course I believe in I space I'm just playing, yeah, I'm just playing. That, like, feel like they've seen alien spacecraft on mushrooms it's a very like we right, were not common... mushrooms but we've seen them it was on other wow. stuff but yeah like that's but that's true. a pretty common thing that I've had people tell me and it's weird too because there's like literally like this like mushroom guys are all are like terrence mckenna kind of like right. you, you can like smell them from across the room like energetically <laughs> not smell them but like really like oh, and they start talking yeah. to you and you're like oh it's a mushroom guy and they all have that same like kind of like crazy mushroom like Damien. wild eye mushroom yeah. guy energy That's and it's beautiful. a thing and it's like it's yeah. kind of interesting yeah so you think it might affect people in the long term for the better, maybe? <laughs> well, most of them Hopefully feel like they the have better. a relationship with the mushroom. So like yeah. it's like this different level of people that like, you know, feel like they actually interact with, talk to, ask right. questions, get guidance, mm -hmm. answer. You know, usually it, it seems like it answers in a lot of riddles. Um, right. But mushrooms, it's a, okay. it talks. Yeah, it seems like it's a better way of of communing with yourself and you can like it's there's a lot of self-review and there's a lot of like morality processing and like how you in you are a cog in in the chain of or the net of being that is everybody is a node and we're all connected and like you recognize your your ego lessening you know and more connectedness to the oneness and so like if you recognize how you've done wrong to people it hurts you and it's turns into a bad trip and then they're like oh it, the mushrooms are bad and it's like no you you know you had to process something and it was yourself and like um like i don't believe in a bad trip you know i think that it's all you and like it's just another but that's a different show, I guess. But yeah. so, like, I'm not here to demonize. We're talking about I'm drugs a lot, so we should yeah. try this LSD back into the Grateful Dead. Right. So, Ken Kesey, yeah. how did Ken Kesey get his uh, get this stuff, and how did he bring it with? Uh, so he brought it with him on the further bus, and the Grateful Dead was the house band, and they would do these acid tests where they would um, they would give kool-aid and sometimes it had some in it sometimes it doesn't and like they would see what the vibe would be and supposedly everybody was high and like 
So like they, you know, they would bring, you know, they would have these dancers, the freaks, and they would, um, so you'd go down to this place and there's this legal drug and there's these dancers and, you know, there's a house band. And so it's an interesting thing comes to town and why wouldn't people go see it? The flyer has an all-seeing eye and the two pillars of Yakim and Boaz. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's got yeah, a lot yeah, of interesting yeah. stuff on it. Sure does, yeah. But if you, like, so, and the thing was, too, like, the Grateful Dead didn't always play. Like, if you you read about it, they, they say, like, sometimes they played if they felt right. like it. Sometimes, some nights they didn't, couldn't even because they were all too out of their minds on LSD. Right. Um, and it was, like, a dealer is, like, a house party in Watts, you know, and, and it was, like, a dollar to come in and you could drink some Kool-Aid and do this thing. And I think it was like after a concert, they're like handing out flyers, like after some like, you know, like Jefferson right. airplane concert or something like that. And, and the idea being, you know, that again, like I'm sure MK ultra was there for it, like to watch and observe, because it seemed right. like that was their trip kind of at the time was just like watching. watching people on these right. things and, and taking notes and right. like recording it all. Um, like my understanding, and obviously I wasn't there and I don't know, but it seems like there was like very little of like, uh, kind of like a linear plan with the substances. I think it was really like flying by the seat of their pants, just, just like throwing it, it the wall out on everybody to see what, what it'll, yeah. it'll stick. Yeah. And I so think it, there's magic and energy things that I feel like that they probably figured out right away that like you, you could probably measure very easily with pretty rudimentary devices, vibrational changes and, right. and energetic things that happen. And I think if you have people that have some like psychic abilities or some magical abilities or tendencies already, and then you incorporate something like that and you just like, again, it's all going within yourself, but it's right. this like opening up of these areas of our mind that we don't typically mm -hmm. access in our yes. conscious state. And so I think they figured that out pretty early. And so right. they used it for mind control things. They used it to create trauma. They used it to just manipulate people. I'm sure you could really fuck with somebody, you know, and, you, you know, they think about a political Lots side. Of people you know, do. Like, yeah, for yeah. sure. And but even, then, even people like, you know, like criminals or like people that are on the lot or whatever, you know, like they they try or you know people that are horny horny boys that are trying to get into the ladies pants you know and there's a lot of manipulation they try to use it in their own way whereas the government was trying to use it in their own way in the big way you know right. and um and i'm sorry i didn't want to interrupt but like it is a it, it helps like it, it 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 breaks down barriers as well as um you know, your your defenses can be lowered and you can be more vulnerable for crimes or what did you say? Suggestion. Suggestion. Like older, like yes, exactly. Yes. And well, so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I was just going to say, like, you know, a lot of a lot of people back in the day, it was very obviously experimental. All of it was new. Nobody knew yeah. what they were doing. It's taken many years to get to the point where we are now, where sure. people have, there's like a wealth of knowledge out there. You can go and read forever about different entheogens. Um, yes. And what I've noticed a lot within the Grateful Dead community versus within, say, like the electronic music scene, which is much like newer and younger. Mm -hmm right yeah. um is that you 
generations of hippies and people there who have been taking these substances for a long time. And they're there to guide the younger generation if they want that. Right. Right. Because not all the young kids are going to look up to the adults, obviously, but there is a, like a large amount of kids do that in this scene. They, you know, they see these adults who have been doing it since the eighties or longer. And they're like, like, I want to learn from them. The way a kid will steal a beer from his parents to like, you know, try drinking. Yeah. Or just like, you know, they're, they're given it because so like at the conference that I spoke at, um, a big part of what I was talking about was like the importance of set and setting and having, like how to have like an actually healing and powerful like evolutionary experience from psychedelics and you're not just doing it to have a good time that doesn't mean you can't take it at a concert and have a sure. good time you can yeah. you can do the evolutionary experience at the same yeah. time that you're having a concert exactly. <laughs> right 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 so yeah. you know and i feel like there's been a lot in that sense that like this is a community where there actually is generational knowledge because I sat in a peyote ceremony yeah. and there were kids in the ceremony with us. You know, well, that's, that's that's common for peyote with uh, the Native Americans. Uh, I've yeah. met I've met 12 year old kids talking about they were doing peyote. They were actually buying 40s at the store when I met them. <laughs> but they were talking about the, the sacredness of the peyote. And, you know, that's yeah. you know, they they revere that stuff. And, they, you know, they they were talking about the connection to their elders and how it's, you know, it gives it like it um another person that's connected to the whole thing the scene of the culture creation was um you mentioned the the hero was joseph campbell and uh he talked about how we didn't we don't have myth you know in today and so people are like deracinated from their moral standing and you know so like the culture has been like there's been they had they had the baby boom you know they got the parents that were the greatest generation and then the baby boom in the 40s and the like early 50s and then they were you know of age in the 60s and so it was like this whole generation was was like created in a petri dish they got the television they got the electric kitchen. They got the radio. You know, first vaccines. Yeah, that too. No, those were those were the that. first ones, but they were definitely like pushing them out. In on the them. in the yeah, and um and everybody you know suburbs, everybody had like two point three kids and like you know everybody could get along on one you know dad's wage at the factory you know, it was like and then they you know they gave them the they had the morality of the fifties. And then uh, they got, then they brought Kinsey, was paid for by the Rockefellers. And they brought, uh, you know, Huxley, of course. And they, uh, which was like attacking their mind, you know, Gordon Wasson and all that. And uh, they had Allen Ginsberg. And it's like they're devolving. They're like, it's a tax on our psyche. You know, and when they give us they they give us the, uh, you know, the entheogens to open us up and then they give us the attack, which will, you know, which may. And so the this generation was wide open and they were um, 
influence to uh, to their archaic revival of mm -hmm. Terence McKenna, you know, um, going back to nature. And that's beautiful. We're going to have to do that now that everything, the Great Reset is coming. We're going to be, you know, we're going to have to go back to nature. You know, that's the only way to survive. So that's all good. Um, but, the, you know, they they gave them, you know, uh, you know, uh, clothes that are weird and falling apart and the long hair, which is like, you know, a, a dude with long hair uh not no offense i know you have you know you're like jesus had it too um but it's like <laughs> the combination of uh of the feminine and the masculine on the one person and that is like you know that kind of there that it's always been with the occult uh the the gender bending you know um not that it's bad but it's <laughs> also know? been like you know um like tribal people who right. had long hair that they yes. said that that was like their antenna, like that right. helps them. Yeah, Native Americans too. Yogis you know? as well that like grow their beard and their hair long, and that's like their spiritual antenna. They feel like right. is like part of their connection. And right. I feel like with the hair too. I mean, you could call it gender bending, but then like at the same time, it's like, you know, what about what if it's like a recognition of that we are like made up of all of it, and so it's not necessarily like a like a perversion of things, but it's a sure. recognition. And and for me, it's like also like we it grows if it grows on you right it's like, I mean, obviously right. fingernails right. don't work out but the rest of it for me it's like i feel yeah. like well it's kind of like the the skin on the tip of your penis like it's, yeah. it's there for a reason like you don't need to cut huge, it off that's <laughs> a huge thing for me dude it's like if somebody that's cuts off up. Their, dude yeah 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 <laughs> not, not literally brought it up <laughs> that's funny yeah <laughs> so the uh you know like the way that they it grows natural and that's good and going back to nature is good so i'm not but i'm i'm just saying that there there are these components which uh can be seen in certain ways and um but it, i'm not saying like so basically um they they're they're steering the culture of that generation away from what they had prior before that they had the country music and the blue collar workers and like they you elvis. know elvis yes and like that elvis was kind of the the beginning of where the they Beatles. they started to turn it yeah. to the other way yeah. yeah and then you got the the you know the the wave, the London wave or whatever they called it, the British invasion. So like they're, they're working with uh, Tavistock, which is connected to Britain, which is pushing this culture on the world basically. So they created the, the, the left, or they, they created the, um, the, the, they got the left wing and the right wing. They got the dichotomy of the, um, you know, they, they got the, the, the hippie freaks and they got the blue collar workers and then they crash them against each other and then they're fighting each other instead of being on the same side no war you know they well, want to have their... there's like a racial element too going on that was really like divisive at the time so you had the whole like civil right. rights yeah. thing like as an That's extra true. like thing that was stirring into you had this like counterculture the civil rights thing just this huge like pot the Vietnam wow. or, like, yes like, a lot of crazy stuff going on yeah, um, yeah. It, I, I guess I feel like 
We got a kid. We, we, a got a, we got a baby to... awake. She's going to go take care. I could talk to you. For okay, that's good. Uh, You're with me. Okay. So, so yeah, they uh, were pushing. They had all of these elements in the pot stirring up this generation. And Grateful Dead was one of the elements. So you sure. had the you had the acid tests, and Kizi was given uh, these large amounts to dose people with for free or for one dollar maybe, and um, you know so the Grateful Dead is just playing music for this test, right? Right. Um, you know, ex- I guess I wanted to bring it back to the um, to the to the acid tests, and yeah. so they are viewing people and making notes you said that and that's very interesting i that assume you, that you assume okay well i I've assume that they were to, at least to that level i mean i would say that like you know i know there's no way they didn't know what's going on right. um i know that they exactly you know like there's it, i'm sure that they were like observing and monitoring it etc i mean remembering too that like these people that were like pushing the LSD on everybody were all also taking it in massive amounts for like really long times. They weren't, it is they weren't like these people that had this thing that they were like trying to get everybody to do. And they weren't also like firm believers in that. It was like a powerful, important substance that was going to change the world. Like I, I really believe having looked into enough that a lot of these people really thought that they thought they were doing something that was important and special and that they discovered something that was like, and then they made it illegal and they were like, wow, know they're on to this they don't want people doing it anymore even though we know that the there's some elements of the government or whatever that were actually like actively perpetuating pushing this out in in this network and that the grateful dead obviously ended up playing a really big part of that because that traveling circus that went around the country became basically the distribution hub for many years for not just lsd but probably more than anything else that was how it would get show up in town and right. I think everybody knew that people that was what they knew about the Grateful Dead. If they didn't know the music, they didn't know the scene. They knew right. that it would be in the newspaper that, oh, there's this huge flood of like psychedelics that shows up in town when this. It's, and they and they're always on tour and they visit all these little towns. And, you know, the the coming of age teens like yourself can go to a show and you can get dosed. And like all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's fun. Take and your shoes off, take your shirt off, and it's like have a, a good smile it, on your it's face. Like, it's like Velcro for people that want to have fun, you know, and it just like comes to town and it's it gets stuck on you and you like and then it goes to the next town. You're like, fuck, I gotta go do that some more. And you know, and um and it's a, it's this economy that's moving through and it like brings the LSD to all these people, you know, and it's constant, it's always happening. And so everybody at least gets to try it once, you know, like, right. oh, yeah, I know. Everybody's got a story. Yeah. And I mean, that's a that's a I guess it's a good thing. But in the beginning, it could be uh, that really those tests are really all that they were doing. And then after that, they were working with the record companies and like so I'm, I'm that type of thing about it a little bit, I guess I would say. So like one of the things that I I would say is important to recognize too, is that this band is like probably, uh, there's probably not any other band out there that's been studied or like 
torn apart, people around him interviewed, books written. We have a whole section on our shelf over here that's probably got like 30 books all written by different members of the Grateful Dead, people that travel with them, people that are historians, et cetera, that mm-hmm. tell all of these, like a lot of stories, like origin stories, like really like this is how we got our name. Like they were literally, they were called the Warlocks and they decided that, which interesting, right? Uh, and they right. decided that that wasn't the name for them. And now granted before that, these guys were all like, hanging out, like teaching music lessons in a, a guitar shop in Palo Alto. And that's how most of them met each other was like hanging out at this music shop. We're talking about like teenagers and like early 20s guys that were just hanging out playing music, you know, and right. and they, you know, formed the Warlocks. And then to get the name The Grateful Dead, supposedly Jerry picked up a dictionary and opened it up and pointed his finger at something and it was said grateful dead that's what the story says. i know so, they, so do he, you believe the stories i don't i don't i don't i don't know that i i mean i don't know if you'd say like i believe them i think that you know i think that they're interesting and some of them you know are, mm-hmm. are cute i think that i do believe that these guys were for the most part just you know i know that they were guys that kind of found each other and for me sure. being like a deadhead that that has been connected to this music for my whole life like there is a lot of like magic in that music and right. that that these like for whatever it's worth and whatever ended up happening that what ultimately has happened with to for at least myself and my friends and my family and 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 our community is that same thing that i believe happens with lsd and psychedelics mm-hmm. that like that humanity and the good always finds like the order and the chaos and that mm-hmm. it will like create and form and grow and right. blossom out of the darkness and so knowing that there is like darkness attached to this band whether it's just the, <laughs> right. the fact that there's whether it's fact that there's I'm not trying a lot to harp of like on it. I'm not there's a lot of like but there's a lot of like sick there. people that that are a part of that come to you know and so like yeah. your your perceptions that you shared previously are based on your experiences and you've directly seen and felt these things about people that are related to the band well i've seen them out there too you know right. i see the pain i see the darkness i know that that's honestly like a lot of what the whole journey of the show is about is that like some of the songs are more more dark and sad and not like leaving you feeling wonderful but that then you get the contrast when a song does and so that it's like this understanding of like you know and not just like satanic idea but that like without without darkness you don't appreciate the light and without the nighttime you don't appreciate when the sun rises the next day and the the sunshine comes and brightens you up and so that, that that's an element of it and i think that what i believe ended up happening is i believe that what whoever these like mk ultra whatever controller people like figured out early on is that things that we know now about energy and music and psychedelics and that that when you've got um a group and it doesn't have to be a huge group i mean i i honestly like in the bible it says where like 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 two or more gathered together in his name he's there like talking about like the god or the holy spirit and i was like it's kind of like that with like jerry like as long as there's like one other person here that wants to like do this with me and experience it and dance we can create something here and there is something like there's an energetic thing so then you compound that with like more and more people I also think that the band figured out some things with magic and energy and and that you know in emotion and so like i think that everybody knows i don't know if you ever watched like american idol or anything but you know that the best performers are the people that like pour their emotion into their performance and into right. their um song or whatever and, that, like, and you can feel it and, and people can 
can like like you connect with it on a different level and so yeah, yeah. i think that that this band figured that out early on that if they actually like poured their emotion into this these songs you've got these group of people that just for some reason can't get enough of this music and this and and part of it was because every show was different and they were one of the first right. people that were doing that so right? like, like doing jazz. a different set list every night and so you never knew like what is like a box of chocolates you never know what you're going to get right. and so just because you went to the grateful dead show like in memphis tonight like who knows atlanta tomorrow like they're going to play a whole different bunch of songs that you maybe haven't heard very much of and it's going to be a different crowd and you're going to be in a different spot and you're going to maybe get some different acid and it's going to be a completely different you know whole experience but that but somebody figured out that i think like honestly like i think that when you get into these big arenas and these big crowds and you have like the lights and you have that many people that are all like ripped open their consciousnesses on these substances and then you have this music going that that like whether it's a vortex, whether it's a portal, whether it's a, there's some like really massive energetic thing that's happening. That's really interesting to people that are interested in those kinds of things. And so I don't know what they're doing with it, but I know it's there. And I know that it's like something that got their attention early on. And that, you know, I I remember uh, that long strange trip. It's like a three part deal on like, Amazon or something that Coppola did on the Grateful Dead and there's a story um, somebody talks about when the Grateful Dead toured in Europe and there's a guy who's in charge of like recording the shows and he had to be in this van out back like making sure the reels were going to record these shows and he said they were playing this song Morning Dew and it's a really like like powerful song it's actually about nuclear holocaust right it's like literally about like the annihilation of of humanity and he said that it, he could tell he was listening to the like the to the performance and it just felt like super powerful and magical and he's like he, he he was not allowed to leave the van but he's like fuck it i have to go inside and go see what's going on and he said that he came in the back door and he looked from the back of the stage and that jerry had his back to the audience and he was playing the song and he just had tears like pouring down his face as he was playing it like putting everything into this song about like fuck like all of humanity's gone like right. we just fucked up right and like and knowing that like at that time that's how that guy was like connected to these songs and playing them is like it was important to him and that's the thing is like you look at like you can say like they never stopped touring because somebody was making them do it but look at all the like performers out there that have been like controlled for a long time nobody made them do that like nobody's made anybody else go keep touring keep touring keep touring like you're allowed to like freak out and lose your mind and not and just stop anytime if even if you're like a you know Maybe like so. illuminati like rock right. star but for some reason these guys never stopped and bob weir jerry died and he just put the mantle on and just was like we have to keep playing this music and he kept playing it and kept playing it and kept playing it he's 80 years old and he's exercising on tour every day like trying to make sure that he can go out there and play this music and on his days off he's like sitting in with other bands playing this music and he's showing up you know and he's doing it because he wants to there, there's yeah. no way at this point in his life he's not doing it and it's because he they know they created the something yeah, they created something special and it's yeah. important. It's like he doesn't want it to stop. And so right. even the addition of like John Mayer to Dead and Company, this young, you know, guitar player to to kind of like bring this other element to it was honestly like in my mind his way of saying here, like this thing needs a future. And this person can actually provide that. This person has enough of a following and oh, and has we'll enough see. of a talent yeah. and that he and energy that he can keep this going and you could tell like that's why he put him in that spot 
That's and great. you know mickey hart is like like we talked about like the shaman of the band and with the drums and everything well that sequence of drums uh bill kreutzman the other drummer is getting old and he yeah. can't he's not going to be around for that much longer he makes the shows but he's like missed some shows like because he's been sick and stuff and what's interesting is their their bass player now is this guy named oteal uh burbridge and he um was playing like allman brothers he's like a southern rocker came up with like colonel bruce hampton and stuff well oteal has got this really super sweet spirit he's african-american and he um a lot of times wears like tribal paint on his face and wears a lot of like african inspired beaded shirts yeah. and stuff well he mickey has been brought him into the drum section now and so so a lot of times billy will leave the stage he always did drums with mickey well oteal is clearly being groomed to be handed over to be the shaman of the band like he's wow. he's the part of the rhythm section that plays bass but he's in there on those drums he's learning to play the beam from mickey this instrument that mickey created this is giant like big yeah, resonating thing with these strings on it that literally yeah, can make crazy. the whole place vibrate where everybody in it is like yeah. you can feel this thing going yeah. on through. and um it's because these guys know that like we're to me regardless of whatever intent a long time ago was was behind what they were doing that now today what it is is it's a really important magical thing that's gotten way bigger than this band and so you know in every city around the country there's grateful dead cover bands a lot of them that are playing on a regular schedule like once a week playing at this yeah. bar you know there's a there's a band in louisville where i i used to live before california called the merry pranksters and then they got changed it to the pranksters they've been playing for 25 years together there's a band down in san diego called the electric waste band that plays every monday night they just play their 30 30 year anniversary show wow. um, the band we met dancing to cubensis they've been together for 25 or 30 years playing grateful dead music and so it's got They're its own it's its own genre of music now yeah. so you don't call right. it grateful dead it's grateful dead music and so it's like literally like there's a catalog of 450 some odd songs um and you think about all these people that learn to play this music and that catalog of music is enough to keep really talented musicians busy for a really long time mm -hmm. like learning those songs and it's like enough for a lot of them you got these guys right. that are like amazing musicians and that's enough for them is just to like they're like i'm not even close to mastering this catalog there's hundreds of songs i don't even know how to play yet right. and, and they're, jerry you know, jerry kept a connection to the old folk songs and like he like reworked a lot of old songs and like kept alive some good songs like i think that's that's good because um you know the like american beauty or whatever uh the american songbook was added to by jerry i think because of, of his folk talent and his you know and um you know uh we talked about him earlier robert hunter's lyric uh, like lyrical ability um i think that it's it that is added something uh you know worthwhile for sure and uh uh yeah it's i think that and i i think that jerry is a true talent um i do believe that they employ talent and um you know and i, I agree with you about the um about the making notes on the people during the test because if you look at modern day um burning man it is like a it's like an, it's an experiment it's done on government property they are there's people with clipboards asking questions like giving you know there's little there's all kinds of tests happening to all have these people i have not i've 
I went the other way. I went rainbow. I, I met, you know, hung out with those people, but, uh, it's, you know, like they, it is a test, you know, and it, it's, um, it, it, so they're still having the acid test. It's just way more technical. And another thing that, um, like looking at, at Jerry's works in the world is, is, a is, is, is she up again? Okay, good. Okay. We'll take, We'll take it's care. all good. I understand the same thing. I'm I'm like trying to stay quiet because my son's in the other room and I'm making sure he does. I'm like, uh, right. not to like, to, I'm not yet <laughs> or anything. But um, so uh, we were talking about how the acid tests, um, they were the government might have, like it might have just been that that they were just playing the house band, and they happened to be kind of you know connected mm-hmm. in all these ways, like. You know, I know Phil is a Mason and I know that, you know, so, but, uh, Jerry, um, was a talent and I, and I know that, that, uh, they hire talent. They need to have to hire talent because it would be worthless without it. Um, but right. they, I mean, <laughs> if you, if you look at like Laurel Canyon, it's there's Jerry a, talked shit on Laurel Canyon. He oh, just, yeah. did, you know, I'm he didn't trust the music like coming it. out of there. he, Good. thought you know he didn't like jim morrison he thought it right. was all like manufactured feeling right. and and it right. was obviously it they were was. all very very obviously tied right um, do you think maybe it was a competition reason like he was um competing with morrison i don't think for the, so i think he ears? just like really just saw them as not as good and yeah. to be honest as much as i like the doors mm. and fun and stuff like they have a very small repertoire and it was very short-lived because jim morrison died when he was 27 um you know so it's it's not even really comparable um, no it's not i'm not trying to compare it i'm I'm trying to say no no i'm saying i i don't know if he would have felt like Mm. there was any sort of competition for that reason you know and then jerry's also quoted as saying things like constantly choosing the lesser of two evils is still constantly choosing evil and that's in reference to the voting system and this was before he died and after he died bobby and um i think phil also started doing the like rock the vote thing where they're trying to get everyone to sign up to vote criminals Um, i can't you know know, just that act (laughs) kind of started i think it kind of started after the Uh, like um 420 legalization laws Right. That was like a big part of it. Um, right, right. And California, like, they, because California's black market is so heavily entrenched there, they've been voting it yeah. down year after year. They don't want it legal. Oh, they no, don't want... the illegal growers did not want it legal. They did not. and they didn't, you know, it's, it's more. They don't want to get pulled over them. anymore. They don't get, yeah. they don't want to get pulled over anymore, but they don't want to pay the ridiculous amount it costs to do it legally either. It's right. I know people it's who have trap. gone to legal and I know people who have not. And it's right. no matter what, it's become a challenge because of how the market is now. But, right. Because there's predators yeah. everywhere. You know what I mean? The government is a predator. The, uh, you know, there's people that want to do home invasions. It's like, you know, teenagers and animals trying to eat your crops. Like, you know, like it, <laughs> it's tough. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I'll tell you what, this isn't really on topic, but in Massachusetts, I had left for a couple years and then I came home after it was legal and the price of 
black market nuggets has gone up. I was like, hmm. really? Wow. <laughs> because Massachusetts is charging so much money. It's like they're floating the economy. They're like pushing it up. It's right. really, it's really weird. And black market's like, yeah, sure. I mean, I, like I'm, I was only paying like 25 more an ounce, whatever. But I was just like, really, I was like, why is this? You know, this weird. You know, sometimes there's 50 more, and I was like, I'm not gonna know. <laughs> but it's still like it's it's um, it's they you know California I heard is losing money. Oh, we are. It is weed. for for most of the people I know, at least in it. It's like. I mean, and you try to go up to the Bay Area and ask around and people are like, I have pot falling out of my ears. Right. Like, I don't I don't have anywhere to sell it to. Sorry. <laughs> That's great. You know, it's like, like cannabis is killing their their fucked up economy and all their silly laws. It's sucks. like, you know, overgrow the government. It's great. I mean, yeah, it's you know, I know you guys have too much. Send some to Ohio. We got we got a shortage. Yeah. But anyway, um, so That's what people get in trouble for yeah i know i already uh, we don't need to talk about that um <laughs> but uh so the um you know like we we talked earlier about how um the dead moving around is like an engine that brings all of the cannabis and the lsd right at, it was it was like a traveling circus that brought all the substances right. people knew where to go yeah. that were in town that was their chance right. to score Right. And like, you know, he was talking about how they have like a certain etiquette and, you know, you could probably find real stuff there instead of like at the oh, Beatles, yeah. Beatles show. Like they don't have well, shows. Like people have a reputation. You exactly. Know? And, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, if they're it, on the tour every night, then like. Yeah. It gets yeah, around. Yeah. Right, you know? right. And I'm not exactly. one of the people who would like let someone do something and just get away with it. Like maybe once you know you cut them a break right. but like once it becomes like this is common behavior from this person like yeah. i'm warning people right you know yeah. like i'm like don't hang out with that guy right right good yeah <laughs> you know um, yeah that's good and not everybody listens but <laughs> right and you know everybody's got to risk them everybody has it's a free country and everybody like it's a voluntary society and Everybody volunteers to be a part of that can be risky, you know, um, yeah. but um, there's a lot. I've seen that there's a lot more of that at fish than at the dead show. There's a lot more like new hats and fresh stuff like there's a lot more money at fish. It's like it's kind of different. It's like amped up in a different way. Um, those dudes, I think, are connected to. We don't really have to talk about it, but I mean. They, it's hard they, to tell. I mean, they started like jumping on, you know, trampolines at High Sierra Music Festival, which is a music festival that's one of my favorites that I've gone to for years and years. And mm. I've also watched bands start playing in the parking lot and move onto the stage just like Fish did and become oh. really big bands too. Like, and mm -hmm. it was literally just from people liking right. their music and them playing at the concerts and first playing in the parking lots and then getting right. invited finally to play on stage right. and i know there's more to fish's story too but that was like part of their beginnings right um, and their name is is related to when someone takes too much nitrous oxide and they're flopping around that's on really the what it's related to <laughs> well fishing out have you yeah, never heard so that they, term no no people call it that but the, okay. does that actually mean that that's what 
the band Fish because I kind of do. The, I no, think one of the I'd musicians, I think it's the drummer, Paul Fishman. Nose, right, um, right. Fishman. Yeah. yeah so Jonathan it's really from Fishman. That. But is it spelled with a PH? Uh, I'm Fishman? not positive. I think the guy I'm has an F. Bigger fish head here. Right. Paul. Well, that's interesting. Well, you know, because like uh, the dead's name is related to um, like the consciousness of the fans, you know, like we know Mark Passio tells us necessarily too, because I, I mean, when you're so. talking about like the actual name, Grateful Dead, I'm not and saying that, that the fans are from. dead. I mean, you are alive. I said that. No, you know, no, I know. I know what you're meaning. What's the term for it that Mark has talked about before where you're like, you know, like soldier, soul dyer or whatever. Um, right. Yeah. Green language. So, Right, right. Green language, yes. Yeah. So I, I understand what you mean by that. Um, mm-hmm. However, like it might not necessarily have been something that was pushed out by the CIA, like call them deadheads. Right. You know what I mean? Like people were calling each other heads if they were like turned right. on to something. Right. And right? Like, you'd oh, go to the heady. head shop and like, yeah. you know, you'd save your head stash. Yeah. And like, right. Because so I think you, there's different reasons you're... why things kind of mm-hmm. came to be the way they are. Um, yes. That's you know, positive. and then, like, I was going to say, looking at the story of the the phrase Grateful Dead, like, it's mm. a very powerful, impactful story of, like, uh, a man coming to a town and finding a dead body on the side of the road. And no one knew who this person was. There was no family to help them. And he spends his last money to give this person a proper burial. Oh. Right? It's like he, he does this never, work I've for actually this never person. Heard it's that. like selfless work and then years and years later someone this this person who he helped bury is reborn and helps him out in mm. some way right so he is the the grateful dead because right. he's been reborn and shows his gratitude for what was mm. given to him at the end of his life that's interesting so, so that's really kind of a, story. it's kind of an expression of uh karma right natural law like you know, you, you know, your, your benefit, if you put out good, you get good from other people that is the same as the person that helped you because we're all one and like that. Yeah, that's it. That's a beautiful, I've never heard that before. And um, then there's the just the skull and roses is all about like to have the, the skull and roses became obviously like a lot of the imagery. That right. Ao moxoa is that oxo moxoa? Oxo moxoa. Okay. But the idea is that that like is a perfect representation of like life and death, right? That it's like like right. fertility and and the rose could relate to the knowledge of the Rosicrucians uh, and uh, the rose cross, like mm-hmm. is like and the rose is the the Venus as the rose and. Mm-hmm like the way that the pattern of uh of its the way that our view of its traveling around the sun mm-hmm. ends up like star. like a yeah it creates like, like a rose yeah um so there's a lot of occult like yeah and that there, was what like yeah. drew me to it a lot of ways too because it was mm-hmm. like i've always been a philosopher i've always been curious in Different things. I got kicked out of church for asking too many questions. Pretty much the same with Paul <laughs> when we were kids. That's funny. Uh, Me too. That's really funny. So, <laughs> 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 um, you know, I was 
I, I was curious and I saw those symbols and was like, what do these things mean? And then mm. diving into their songs and like, and there's song books where you can look up, like they have like word for word practically at times, different definitions and like things that it could mean and how that word was taken from a different song or another right. story, different poem somewhere. And so it gives right. you this opportunity to like look it all up and kind of make up for yourself too. Like what, what does it really mean? Um, and that gives it this changing personality to it as well for right. every song. Like it gives it you, it gives it a different. significance now. It's, it's yeah. like so that when you hear it, it has more weight to it. Mm. Yeah. My, my favorite song, Terrapin Station, um, has a line in it says, "That's like, a good one." But the storyteller makes no choice. Like basically, yeah. like I like I'm just a storyteller. Like you have to decide how the yeah. story ends. And right. one of the really about that song it's not just one song it's like a suite of songs it ended up being like a lot of songs that the grateful dead didn't even perform that hunter continued to write yeah. in this like saga of terrapin but that the the core part the like lady with a fan and terrapin station apart was the way that it was written was super magical so it was like a like again it's a story but it's a story that jerry told and said that it was basically a, a stormy night in san francisco a thunderstorm and that he was sitting alone and basically got like the music to Terrapin Station came to him and so he just started playing it on his guitar he wrote down the chords and the notes etc and the next morning late morning he went and met with Hunter uh, and Hunter said um, that storm brought me a song last night and Jerry's like me too and wow. had lyrics for Terrapin Station written down and literally like set him like in front of Jerry and Jerry started playing the the music to it and it all went perfectly together and wow. Jerry said that was the only song in that catalog that was written like that that they both got it the same night and met and brought it together yeah. and that he said the first time that they performed it live that Jerry said that was the moment that he knew that he was doing exactly what he came to this planet to do huh. not maybe specifically play Terrapin but right. understand that they had accessed something like this muse had now come right. to both of them obviously where before it had been playing with them a lot and they've been working on things together right. and whatever enforcing things and figuring things out but that this was like how a song was made out of magic and some of the lyrics are super important in that song like the peak and it refrain and yeah. his inspiration moved me brightly and that's where the whole song peaks and there's right. so many grateful dead songs like that and that's the thing like you said earlier about the i judge by the fruits of their work right yeah and so like we have the lyrics to every one of these songs in front of us and you know, there are some that are sketchy and skeptical things in them. West Day, like <laughs> LA sure. Fade Away, some like gritty, yeah. grimy ones. I mean, US, surprised US you haven't brought up Friend of the Devil. Um, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like a low hanging fruit, I, you know. Right, it's pretty yeah. obvious. But, uh, but like, we, you know, like U.S. You blues, know? for example, is like the most damning, in my opinion. Because, like, me being an anarchist yeah, totally. and them saying that they're the I'm government. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And then they're like, pop the bag, wave the flag. It's like, oh god that's like so bad and the well, people are I, like yay it's summertime sure you know like that i like yeah. again it's like kind of like I've, I've been able to I look at things and kind of been like hmm, like always like look at it from a different angle it could mean this that's what got in trouble with the bible right was that i was right. like wait a minute like because it could mean this and that would make a lot more sense right uh, but that like you know jerry always had a a um a thing about Laurel Kane, yeah, really, I and like the hell you talk about gone. that as well. So, 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 yeah, so we, that was like the plastic thing and the fake thing, and like, like I don't know how deep you guys got, yeah. but I think a lot of people know the that like a basically there's 
like too many connections to ignore out of the music that came out of that area during that time that yeah. basically every one of these groups, their parents were either in the, in like, like the Navy direct connections and like Dave the McGowan. CIA, the FBI, yeah. whatever. And there's, but there's two theories there. There's like people say, well, there was something there. Like they were trying to push this out and they were like using their children to, to do it through music. And then some people say, well, also, what if this, these kids were rebelling against their parents right and this whole thing and it happened to be like this collective thing where they right. started to do it well i think just like with a lot of things the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle that there's probably some elements of both of those things at play there but that like one of the things that i've looked into that i actually wanted to bring up and I, i'm curious how much you've looked into it but that the idea was that th that this specific like kind of rock and roll that started to come out of laurel canyon and, and during the 60s was like basically the first reemployment a lot of, of a lot of like Dionysian beats and things from like oh. Dionysius rituals and that that was like brought that back sense. to our culture and consciousness through rock and roll and that that was literally yeah. you know back when they were saying this is the devil's music right <laughs> and they were like telling people like this is the devil's music but that they were really saying like this is like the devil's music like this rock and roll and these beats and these things that they're like basically like it? bringing back i know but i don't know because, <laughs> yeah. because again because we like, feel I know pretty how amazing feel. from it and that's well, what, like, like, a, like how i feel with something right and right like, well dionysus had a beard and long hair i'm sorry <laughs> i'm bringing it up again but that that was dionysus's costume that's why they make jesus look like that um and like you know he would turn water into wine and like so he was had the dionysian energy to him and um water into lsd right yeah it drips like and that stuff is like it's it's actually it doesn't harm you like you know like every like wine is poison you know totally. and this right. stuff is like soma you know it's it's really um you wake up the next day you're refreshed it's all better you know you're have a new outlook on life sometimes and so yeah. I, I guess I, that's you know, kind of i think about trip. like i mean you know like we were looking at that's stuff on Jan Irving's site and how mm -hmm. he's pointing out all these different people um and uh shoot I was gonna say something and I kind of lost my train of thought that's um, okay oh Crowley so I was gonna say though that oh, like yeah. you know even Mark when he <laughs> has talked about Satanism and how the whole hierarchy worked mm -hmm. like he admits that a lot of Crowley's writings are true with yeah. with like lies woven into them. Right. Right. So like he has even suggested reading those things for the already trained mind. Right. Like right. don't just read it as a young in like. Right. You know, a kid you can, who doesn't you can know what take, they're doing. Do with that will, and you can use it to do really bad stuff, right. or you can take love as the law and do really good and stuff. Do really good stuff. Depends right. on what kind of person you are, right? Yeah. And Crowley did some bad stuff, and he did some good stuff, and it's like, you know, I had a, a show with uh, Jose Perez a lot, like a long time ago. He's a good friend who's a thelemite, and. He, he explained to me that Crowley, he got the Book of the Law young, and he was young, dumb, and very egotistical. And by the end of his life, he realized and recognized what love is the law really means. And like his later books have transformed. He's like, because he's got the span of a human being, he's learning and growing and 
you know, that kind of thing. And so there was kind of, um, so we've, I mean, uh, my listeners can listen to that and, um, learn some more about it. And Crowley, uh, Crowley had a ragtime band and, you know, yeah, that's, uh, they were, um, they, I forget what, what their name was, but they were, I think they were women and they played ragtime music. And, uh, that was one of the lyrics of the Grateful Dead song is I'm going to play. Can you, you guys know the lyrics better than I do? Yeah. And I'm going to play a hundred verses of ragtime. Yeah. 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 I'm going to start up or be in the back. you up and down yeah. this old K line. Take you to the leader of the band. Yeah, it's yeah. Rambling on Rose. Yeah. yeah. And I, so, I love that song, though. He actually, um, and this is something that Jerry has like talked about in the past, too, that he actually was very influenced by books like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mm. And um, I remember reading that book in school, and that, because that's a lyric in that song in Ramble on Rose, who says, just like Mary Shelley, just like Frankenstein. Yes. Um, and that story has been totally twisted and people think that he saved Frankenstein and created a bride of Frankenstein and let his monstrosity continue to live. And that's not the story at all. Because of the movies, right? Yeah, exactly. But in the original story, Mary Shelley's the the character, Dr. Frankenstein, he destroys the monster he created after (laughs) it wants to procreate. It wants a mate and it wants to procreate. And he's like, I can't let this abomination that I created that's not even real continue. So he destroys it. And this this could be like an allegory for like humans current exploration into some AI AI and all sorts of weird stuff. It could also even be like a story about like Emily and Ninkel or something. But Right. Now, like she you bring had, your own light to it. Like, okay, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. She, she what? She, I was herself? just going to say she, her, her family were scientists. Um, I don't right. know really what other connections she had, but. Well, it was a contest. She had a contest with other writers to see who could write the best horror novel. That's mm-hmm. a great, but you mentioned technocracy and I just wanted to make sure I brought this up. Yeah. Um, Jerry Garcia in the 90s when he when it was really towards the end he was talking about uh virtual reality and the potentials of like that's the new drug and leary too was really looking at the future of virtual reality and how this is the new way of I don't know how to really put it into words, but he was very excited about how everybody can play guitar and everybody, whatever you imagine can be true. And like, you can just be in this other realm of consciousness that you can take computers can give you that. And he was really promoting that. And that, uh, I haven't heard about that. I'm curious to, I've seen a video speak about it. I've seen a video interview of him talking about that. It's interesting because like, you know, understanding that again, it like kind of going back to into the LSD thing. We talked about Burning Man a little bit, but that you know, the LSD has been pretty like popular in that whole Silicon world, Valley the tech world in Silicon Valley for a yes. long time. And that like Steve Jobs said that LSD taking LSD was one of the two or three most important things he did in his life. Right. Founders of the internet 
like creators of the internet say they never could have figured it out without LSD and right. like this compound opens up new neural pathways and helps people solve problems that they couldn't solve before. They literally yes. like solve problems in their sleep the, you know, the night after they finally go to sleep from it and wake right. up and be like, Oh, I figured that out. Yeah. Um, right. and that, you know, probably there's some tie in there because we know like Barlow, the lyricist for, um, Bobby that wrote, wrote most of Bobby's songs that he was really one of the early, like they call him like an internet pioneer. Um, and he, he was one of the first people doing things with like emails and stuff. And he, uh, he's still up until the time that he died, he was a big proponent about uh, like net neutrality yeah. and mm. was like fighting for, for like, like, like free bandwidth and, and like opening up things like that. But that there's like, is a connection there that kind of like ties with that, band with that substance with some right. of those people goes directly into to yeah. that and the burning man piece and everything else right uh, and burning man it is uh is google basically google started right. burning man right and it was these magicians on the beach of san francisco there and then they finally they brought it into the desert eventually but that's that's where uh the church of satan lives that's where the presidio is uh, the Church of Satan started in 66. Uh, I don't know when Burning Man started exactly, but, uh, you know, Google, like that whole Silicon Valley is very tightly woven with Satanism. Yeah. And um, pretty heavy. You can feel it in that area. Honestly, like I've always felt like just like there is an energy like around like San Francisco, the Bay Area. There's rumors that there's like a super collider there that's similar to CERN. It's been there. It's for like a really on long the time. way it's between been, Santa Cruz and active. San Francisco. Interesting. Um, there's a lot of that. heavy energies there for sure. Yeah. Like it's definitely right. You know, like a, but there's also a lot or... of really beautiful, good. I mean, that's again. I feel like for me, it always comes back to like the dark and the light, and that you can get right both out of anything. Right. Um, and to, to me, it, in the end, it doesn't necessarily matter like what their history was. It's about what we're getting out of it currently. Well, what, let's talk about what you have gotten out of it. So, because like you have, I'm sorry, I, no, <laughs> I interrupted fine. you, but that's fine. but let's but you guys have survived all of this onslaught, and we don't need to really keep talking about, you know, if they're bad or what they did, you know, um, but like you, you've created a life that is successful and it's healthy. As your your child is up again, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad. Back to sleep. I'm sure. That's beautiful. I'm I'm glad that you're still with me. Thank you. Um, uh, so, you I mean, you two have met each other. Your child is alive because of this community. Yeah. Um, you have you've created roots. You teach permaculture to children. Um, that almost makes me cry. I I I love that. And you you feed people clean vegan food. You grow good, clean vegan food. You promote uh, natural law and anarchy everywhere you go and every chance you get. Um, you are truly awake, turned on individuals. And uh, you are a light in this community. And you, I'm glad that you're still there shining your light, you know, because there's others that have fallen away and fallen away from their you know true will and what they really want to do and maybe they're taken by addiction or whatever else and they need to meet you when they're on tour 
you know, yeah. they, so I'm glad that I've, you're there to feed them good a, food. You know, yeah, I mean, we've, we've done what we can and I'm like looking forward to more shows where we're able to pass out information about our website. Um, and that's got like a basic blurb about not a blurb, a, a, it's like a pamphlet that I've put together about mm-hmm. natural law. Um, and we've gotten extremely positive feedback from it. I, you know, I had moments of being worried, like, oh, are a lot of these hippies going to be super liberal and have a problem with me talking about freedom or something? Because we've all gone through all so many yeah. fights with people. Totally. Because there's so totally. much cognitive dissonance and like. Yeah. I mean, so I it, used to be liberal. Yeah. That's the thing is like I used to be a, a, a like yeah. classical liberal, I guess yeah. you could say, you know, where I was like, yeah, liberal means like free right like everyone right. should be free and equal it should but mean that obviously yeah. doesn't mean that anymore right, so. um but you know we've we've been able to have a good amount of impact like before we even started our website um i had wrote down a question a list of questions that are based off of the same questions that mark passio has asked in interviews that he's done just like man on the street kind of interviews yeah. where he's you know, similar to what he asked in his um, natural walk documentary. Right. And so I would have this list of questions and I'd go through the festival or through the lot and ask people if they'd want to answer some questions. And it always led to really interesting conversations. Do you keep a tally? I was, yeah. I was, was when I was doing it. Was it positive? Was it giving Um, you optimism or pessimism? You know, I think it was higher than... The average, like as Good. far as on on the positive, on the positive side, side, it was higher than the average. Okay. That's but helpful. But <laughs> sadly, almost everybody said morality is relative. And then at the very end, that was one of my first questions. That was like wow. really early on. And then in the end, it was, um, do you think that you're a moral person? And almost 100% said yes. Of course. And it's just like, this is hilarious. You don't believe morality is re-. like. Sometimes I wonder if they really knew what the word meant even. So I like would try to like explain a little bit to see if they Does were that catching help? on or not, you know, if that helped. Um, and it did seem to help some. Uh, and then we might have like a conversation about it, you know, right. where I'm kind of like asking a few more leading questions like, well, but if it's relative, then like, right. what about this? If you or can choose that? your own morality, how do you know yeah. you're really moral? Like, you know, like. There's got to be a basis to start mm-hmm. with, you know, like it's to, I mean, I don't need to explain to you, but I'm just saying like, so you <clears throat> being in that community, you must've had a lot of uh, tough time butting head with statists that are like some, but you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the silly part. Everybody's that, dancing like, though, where you're most at, of, so. <laughs> yeah, most people don't want to even be talking about it. Cause it's just like not their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately like most of those people hate the police they don't want anything right. to do with the police you don't ever call the cops like it's important it's a big deal right uh, unless it was like really really like the only situation that could ever possibly help and even then it's hard to come up with the one i don't know how they okay. could help in it at all <laughs> but we don't have to no. go there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah um but you know, like so they, that there. So they hate the police. They hate right. all that. They hate at least half the government. <laughs> That's right. the biggest problem with most people is that they hate the government, but they right. only hate their half. Right. You know? 
Yeah, they they like the I hate Trump or I hate yeah. Biden or like whatever. Same. Yeah, yeah it's so. the that way they clank heads. And... But not everyone is supportive of the government and voting. Like I know Good. a lot of people who are like, I've never registered to vote. What are you, what are you talking about? Like right. I would never do that. I mean, lots of people who. But do they recognize their... that if they vote, they're enslaving their neighbors? They yeah. might not recognize that, no. But yeah. they at least see the whole thing as bullshit and don't want to take part. That's helpful. No. So <laughs> at that least is, that's that is little, helpful. That's positive. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, yeah. and while I was really worried that a lot of people were going to like just get the vaccine, and I'm sure plenty have, mm. there's also a lot of people on tour who were creating fake vaccine cards just so they, they could go to the just shows. Just like fake you know? tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's plenty of people who are like, fuck that. I'm not going to gonna do something like that just because I want to go see something. Right. Um, They've owned their body all this time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the government says, I own your body. I mean, they, obviously, had that's not to say that there's people who aren't doing it because there are plenty. Right. And there's sure people there who were good friends of mine that I was, if they were to watch this, they might know I'm talking about them. I was extremely <laughs> disappointed when I heard Right. That they took it and just Sorry. like out of complete ignorance too. like I start listing off ingredients in the vaccines and they're like, what? Huh? What are in you talking In the regular about? vaccine ingredients. You know, yeah. And just the regular ones yeah. even. And they're like, oh, I never knew. Yeah, so, it's sad. It know, really it, is a sad. It, it hit everybody. And that's the problem with all of it is like, right. like Paul has mentioned before, like the mind CIA control. and the government and the mind control has gotten yeah. its feelers into everything. Right. It's infected every one of our minds and people like us are some of the people who are the closest to being fully awake. Yeah, to what's going we're to trying to claw our ways you know? out of it, the mind like, control, you know, we're yeah. trying to scrub it and trying to the real brainwashing is to like clean away all the junk. You right. know? Yeah. Like, and, um, you know, you uh, like, there's a lot of, <clears throat> you know, when they take young kids on tour and, they're like they've never really seen the world or the drugs and you know uh it's good that there's um a community of elders and kind of the same with rainbow there's like a, yeah. a community of elders and it it's passed along and it's a little safer than like you know other types of shows and um you guys now are the elders and you have strangely (laughs) you you like you do like you give them clean good food and they feel better you know they're especially when they're super dosed they're not gonna go get a (laughs) dripping burger you know like no i mean we had the best cleanest food on the lot we called it ahimsa bowls those organic vegan noodle bowls and we had like the biggest lines everybody that's wanted right. to come to our booth and eat from all, us people told us we were saving their lives they're like i didn't know if i was gonna eat tonight because there's a lot of people that want to eat good they just decide i'm not gonna right. eat there's nothing out there to eat i'm just gonna suffer you know right i'd like thank you so much especially after like mm-hmm. dancing all night and, stuff. That's like, and then even having like our flyers for our website out there and i was a little nervous what people were gonna think if they took mm-hmm. it you know because i didn't want to detract from our business <laughs> At the same right, because yeah, you wanna um, you wanna but like, be proud of everything yeah, that you do, yeah. and but you put your you put your neck on the line, and to talk and about you anarchy get, and all of that, yeah. Did you get positive? Uh, I feedback? got only positive p- feedback. Only positive. Only. 
only. Not I a single person I came and said anything that's like negative. It awesome. was all positive. I mean, we had a few people who like kept coming by. They're like, so can we talk about this right here? Like, what, <laughs> did, what did what was the, what did you mean by this? Or like, this makes so yeah. much sense. That's you know. Great. And uh, now the go ahead. I also really enjoy setting an example for the other vendors and the people about um, how to interact with police. And oh. <laughs> And to not like fold up, but to like speak about your rights yeah. and how they have no power over you and how they actually work for you, not the other way around. And so like they need to stop talking us with it. And I pretty much beautiful. like always make that a thing. I like literally do it to set an example for everybody else around me to be like, don't like you don't be punked out by yeah. these guys. Like they they yeah, want you to kiss their ass and like don't like you don't have to. I don't disrespect them, but I make it very clear to them that I don't have think they're special. Be assertive and stand in your own power. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've been the same way. And like, I've, you know, we've all had to fight the cops all this time. And now we are, you know, like I said, we're the elders and whatever our genre may be. And like, so we've learned to stand up for ourselves. And thankfully, we understand that morality is, is whatever the, the creator sets it to be. And they can't, you know, some shiny badge is not. Mm -hmm. You know, that's mind control. And so, oh, yeah. Oh, man. In L.A., <laughs> in L.A., these cops came in and they're like, you know, somebody just got stabbed in the parking lot over there. And, like, and so we got to clean up the lot right now. And we're like, well, that didn't happen on the lot. So, like, what's why are you telling us to leave? Go get the person stabbing someone. Like, why are right. you here? We're not taking yeah, it. Out. You're Leave making food. And like, you know, you're dancing or something <laughs> like what the heck? And yeah, they're really, um, and I believe that because I, I just wanted to get this on the, on the record before it's, uh, the, um, the Grateful Dead, it seems like they were created almost the way that it was fashioned, the way that they kept going. It was like they were feeding all of the police stations around the area. Like it was keeping them propped up with the drug war because like they had to, they had to confiscate, and Joe Biden was pushing the, the confiscate law. You don't even have to be charged. They take everything. They find right. ten grand. You're not supposed to have this much money. Take it. You know, it's like. And in the Reagan era, whoa. there was mandatory minimums, and if you had a like <laughs> sugar cube of LSD, you were going to jail as if you had crystal LSD for that much, which is like an insane amount. Yeah, a gram of crystal is like $10,000 or some shit. And a gram, one cube could be cool. one dose. Like, yeah. One dose. There's still people in prison that are like, there's like um, like petitions out there, like change.org petitions still for like deadheads that were incarcerated for mandatory minimums on LSD. I remember being an 18, 19 year old kid and there's a magazine called Relics, R-E-L-I-X and it was like the Grateful Dead right. magazine and it would talk about just all the different bands and music, etc. But in the back were the classifieds and there's letters from these people that were in prison that were like telling about their story and asking for like pen pals, asking for people just to like send them something like, like draw a picture from the show, send me a set list, send me something right. to like be connected. And these were like literally like kids that were like, you know, had gone out as a 17, 18 year old and they might have like got, got a 10 strip for 10 bucks from somebody and then got popped and have this in their pocket. And now 30 years later, you know, Jesus. you're still in prison for, for that. 
and mm-hmm. that that was what was going on big time. I mean, it was like watch they're gonna no, make I've it legal, so and they're gonna the keep lot. those people in jail. They're gonna make it legal, and then the people are still gonna right. be in jail. Well, and they're like, some right, of those right. people have been let out. Um, I hope so. I hope like so. Hot crimes and stuff in California. Yeah, Massachusetts is trying to do reparations. So like. But that's all a, a farce, you know. Yeah, you can't give someone back years. You still well, it's always yeah, right. People who are incarcerated have the first crack at getting licenses to do right. But stuff. that yeah. that's what they say. But then the governor gets payments by people that want to start the business, and then that's who they all go to. And the only reason it got busted is because the governor gave it to all white people. <laughs> If he gave it to some blacks, he would have gotten away with it. Oh it's a crazy thing how governors so can just ridiculous. like commute a sentence. Like it's just like, oh, it's my oh, last day on the job. Like here's the list of all the people who sent me a check. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's crazy how George W. Bush commuted. The only commuted sentence that he did was uh, was a mass murderer. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but it's a way off topic. So okay, so uh, do you agree with the that statement of the that it was feeding the cops? Like, I mean, the mandatory minimums, like, it kept, you know, like it is an economy also with the cops. Yeah. Yeah. So, like specifically, the Grateful Dead played in Louisville, Kentucky, at Freedom Hall in like 1992 and 93, and Mm. at both of those shows, there was like a massive amount of arrests. Like it was just a known thing that everybody's like, fuck, like everybody got busted in Louisville. Like so-and-so got busted, so-and-so got busted. It's like literally like they'd get out of jail, they'd be back on the lot, and they were busted again. And the the Grateful Dead, like literally like, like came out and said like, we're not playing in Louisville, Kentucky anymore. Because like, because that's the thing too, is like, like to be honest, like what it's like now and what it's been like for a really long time is it's pretty obvious that these bands, like, and I can speak for the same thing about Fish, that they have some type of a relationship with local law enforcement. There's some type of conversations that, like, to a certain point, a lot of this shit has to be allowed. Like, you can't right. go out there and, like, just arrest everybody. And yeah. so that, like, it's kind of like this safe space now where it's like, yes, there are going to be some undercovers out there and their shiny tennis shoes and, and crisp tie dyes, like, trying to, to get people <laughs> right. to sell them acid. Like, hey, buddy, you know anybody who's got some acid? Like, fuck no, nobody <laughs> has acid, dude. You know, but and there's white tennis shoes. I've never heard of that, yeah. But yeah, that, yeah. like, right. like for the most part, like, you feel pretty safe there, and, and especially if you're, right. like, family and you're in the community because, like, honestly, like, if somebody tried to, like, cops tried to mess with us or my wife on the lot, there would be a lot of people there all of a sudden that would be making it a really uncomfortable situation good. for the cops. And it wouldn't be just for yeah. us, it'd be for any of That's our good. friends. Like, there would I be make... a lot of people there, like, being like, get the fuck away from them, like, they have rights, whatever. Like, That's not to right. say people still don't get busted, like they do, but it's not anything like it used to be. Sure. I actually, um, uh, so I know somebody from the '90s was on tour, and she said that uh, there was somebody getting busted by cops, and they took their backpack and threw it, and other people just scooped it up. Shit. You know, and then like they had to let the person go because they didn't have anything. Yeah, nice. And then like when they were on the when they were like down on the dance floor, somebody brought them their backpack. Give it all back. (laughs) I saw that happen with a jar of ecstasy at his show. These cops were chasing this guy, and he and he literally like was running and unscrewed the lid of it, and he's like free ecstasy and started like shit and all these people just like mobbed on it and grabbed it. And the cops like there was nothing left. Couldn't do nothing. Just came in and grabbed it up and it was over. That's great. Then I, and that's like that way you, you can trust others that 
So it's that's good that there's always been the fight against the cops, and but it's bad that the cops have always been fighting against you guys, you know. So, but there is, you know, you learn a lot from that. You know, we, you know, you learn how to be an anarchist by fighting yeah. the cops for that long. <laughs> You know, we have our there's this own code on lot. They say six up is the code. Oh, yeah. For so like the six pointed star of the sheriff. And so basically, if anybody saw an undercover or anybody like felt a vibe of somebody, you just hear somebody be like six up, six up. Yeah. Or he just knows. And like my yeah, kids yeah. say that when we see a cop. Like, That's beautiful. Like, like, <laughs> Great. Yeah. I love. Yes. Yeah, like I, at Rainbow Gathering, everybody, you would hear the wave of six up from far away. And everybody started yelling. Oh, they were all yelling it to where you are, and then they would keep yelling. It was just like everybody says it. <laughs> and then yeah. okay, Can't get I, away I, with I guess I gotta put it away now and put out your <laughs> joint. Like, and then they would walk like a, a few like there would be like six or ten of them, and they'd be walking in a line down the path, and we'd all wave and yell like I, you know, I'd be like get a real job, you know, <laughs> you know? and they'd just like wave and they can't do nothing like, okay. And, yeah, and then right. they'd be gone and like, okay, back to party. And like, we don't have drums and you know, whatever. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was a good time. And, and it's good that everybody can be trustworthy, like trust with each other. And it's like, it's a safe community. And, um, you know, and there might be uh, the peak experience and there might be like, you know, acid tests and, uh you know people might be chasing the white light instead of like you know going home and making a family but um ultimately i think that it's been very good to your lives and um you know you have survived and you've thrived and you've become an example for others and i'm so glad that you are doing that and i'm glad to hear your perspective and um Awesome. Was there anything else that you'd like to talk about before we go? I know I want to mention your websites once again and talk about your food, maybe. Um, BlueHillFarmOrganics.com is. It, do you uh, do you sell the food or do you? Uh, yeah, so that one is more focused for just our farm. Um, we do. We have mostly an orchard right now, but we're trying to branch out to a few other things. Uh, awesome. So we have citrus and other fruit um, and are doing permaculture classes with kids, farm tours. And we also just announced an adult permaculture class. that's going to be a seven week long course over the weekend. Awesome. It'll be like a Friday, Saturday camp out kind of thing. Where are um, you located so that people can? We're in Southern California, kind of like an hour in between L.A. and San Diego. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so they can go to Blue Hill Farm Organics and check out to see about the permaculture classes. Yeah, we have that also on the truthloveandfreedom.com website, too. Truth, yeah, love, we, and freedom. We, we host conscious gatherings for people that are kind of in the like same same mindset as us. Uh, it, it's not a rule that you have to be exactly in the same mindset, but it's really it's it's at our home and our property. So we really want it to be people that are somewhat aligned or somewhere somewhat purposeful about being there but if there's anybody in the community of your listeners that happens to be out in the area if they want to subscribe to our email they can do that through the website at truthloveandfreedom.com and basically every time we're having an event coming up we'll um, include them on the email let them know we basically have conscious speakers we do an organic vegan potluck and then we have music and and entertainment and a fire pit and people camp out and 
Uh, we just talk about the truth and anarchy and, and he teaches yoga in the morning yoga class uh, in the mornings. And it's just a really great thing. So if that sounds like something that you're supposed to be a part of and you're going to be in Southern California, then get on our email list. And we'd love to have you and your family out sometime, too. That sounds yeah. fantastic. I would love Liam to be in the permaculture class. I want to see him playing yeah. with the plants. That'd Getting be, dirty with the worms. Yeah, right. that'd be beautiful. It's <laughs> just like the perfect little moment. Yeah, and um, thank you so much for teaching the youth and like showing them like, you know, it's it's not just going it like it's not uh, uh, it's a it's becoming connected with the real network of of reality, you know, is being with the dirt and, uh, you know, and the the culture and the radio and that's all just imagination, you know, it's all mind control and and the music is there you there's music without you don't need the electric plug you know there's there's you know acoustic instruments and people can play the instrument they all know the songs of the grateful dead and i think that i hope that that lives on you know by the fires that, that's for sure does by ours for sure that's that's <laughs> wonderful that's wonderful love you and thank you so much thank you for spending so much time with us and uh um please visit us again at wake the dead and we please visit Lauren and Paul Bell at truthloveandfreedom.com and bluehillfarmorganics.com. I will put the links. And thank you very much for listening. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for doing what you do, brother. You're kicking yeah. butt and you're doing the great work. And we really appreciate awesome. you. Love you. Seriously. Thanks. Much love. love thank you. you kindly. Thank you so much. Awesome. Cheers. Yeah. Wake the dead. Wake the dead. Wake the dead.